0: This episode is brought to you by patreon.com slash sbfvgs.
1: You're sure to be in a fine haze about now, but... Don't think too hard about all of this, just go out and kill a few
2: beasts, it's for your own good.
0: Welcome, everyone, to a very special episode of Super Best Friends Video Game Sleepover. I'm your one and only host today, Michael Lopez. Not with me is David J. Tate or Adam Redding. They couldn't be bothered. You might be thinking, because the timing here, is this the Christmas episode. No, 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 no. This is the most cherished of all holiday traditions, where we discuss a very special game that came out eight years ago, that almost no one has played. So, not only a great tradition, but probably a far-reaching and a uh, hot topic of discussion. Very. <laughs> Everyone's gonna love it. This episode's for me. Um, with me today, though, is our our super best friend, Mister Casey, top newsman, ultimate kills Lawrence.
1: Oh man, thank, thank you, you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You, you were on. What was the last time you were on? Was it like like February? Yeah, it wasn't that long ago.
1: Yeah, I'd yeah, it was this year. Look. Yeah, it was this year. Yeah, it wasn't too long ago.
0: So always, man, always a pleasure to have you on. And uh, I think this is going to be really, really fun. So to get into it, we're discussing from Soft's Bloodborne, and I know why. And the simple answer is, even though this game came out eight years ago, it's my absolute favorite from soft game and up until recently i didn't know anyone else besides myself that had finished it. (laughs) so eight years after the fact here we are we're finally going to sit down and i finally get to have the discussion i've been wanting to have for eight long years uh yep and and to be honest i'm a little
1: i'm a little nervous because you you've had eight years to come up with you know all your talking points and i've been playing this for like three weeks and don't so even worry about it, man.
0: So the upside here is uh, it's an eight-year-old game. I've played it a few times, but uh, sparsely enough that I've probably forgotten a lot. Uh, there's going to be, I'm sure, a segment of listeners who who know Bloodborne so much better than I do. And I'm like, nope, you're wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. Don't even worry about it. Um, I feel like with all From games, right, they're all obtuse enough that I I don't think, outside of a few clear points anyone can kind of claim <laughs> that they know exactly what's going on in any of these games yeah so, probably not right.
1: probably <laughs> not from a story perspective but I, I think you're selling yourself short like you've platinumed the game i'm sure i did you know you you've got multiple playthroughs under your belt you've probably explored every nook and cranny and i i uh, I have not <laughs> definitely. I, I I did just above the bare minimum in my first playthrough, um, and then I went back and we can get into this later. But yeah, I I feel like yeah for sure again that I I, I feel like a a college freshman having a discussion with somebody who wrote <laughs> like their Ph.D. <laughs> you know who did like their dissertation on Bloodborne, so it'll be interesting.
0: Yeah, it'll be fun, man. Um, so I I, th- I think just to kind of ease folks into this uh before we get started proper yes this thing's gonna be full of spoilers up front we're gonna talk about a little bit of history we're gonna talk about uh impressions of, of the gameplay itself but uh portions of this podcast will be dedicated to the story and lore of the game so if for some reason in the last eight years you haven't played bloodborne but you don't want it spoiled probably not the best episode to listen to um If it's been eight years and you're not sold on Bloodborne, then, man, just give it a listen. Maybe we'll sell you. Who knows? I think it's a great game.
1: Spoiler Uh, cast for sure.
0: Spoiler cast for sure. So, warning is out there. Do with it what you will. And we're going to get to it. So, I feel like the best place to start is, what's your history with FromSoft games? Do you generally like FromSoft games? And what FromSoft games have you played?
1: Yeah, so I've had a... I'd, I'd say varied history. I'm definitely not the hardcore, mm-hmm. you know, like play all of them, platinum all of them. I, sure. I did play, I played Demon Souls on the PlayStation 3 um, when yeah. that first came out. And I, you know, played it a little bit and then I kind of fell off. I wasn't super into Same it. Same boat. And then I yeah. tried to pick up, I think maybe Dark Souls 2, um maybe dark souls three i can't remember but again just made it a few hours into it and bailed out of it um yeah didn't even try bloodborne like never even you know just couldn't couldn't have been less (laughs) interested in it at the time yeah um but then when elden ring came out that was really that was really the you know the one that hooked that hooked me it, it
0: was not only like a great game, right but it was a cultural zeitgeist. it was like everybody was playing it
1: yeah and I mean it was getting 10 out of tens all over the place. it was yeah. like people were yelling gaudy from the rooftops as soon as it came out <laughs> um especially you know about the exploration elements I mean that was yeah. the I feel like that was the biggest part, but it yeah. also you know was sold as like the easiest of the from games to get into, you know, like in terms of difficulty. And so I was like, okay, you know, I'll give it a try. And, and I hopped in, I, I, I platinumed Elden Ring. Um, I've got multiple playthroughs on like new game plus three, plus four. I've probably got, you know, seven, eight total playthroughs. So I, I went all in on Elden Ring you know what's
0: wild about Elden Ring? I have actually beaten that game from scratch three times. I still don't have the platinum.
1: Yeah, I I will say I cheated on the platinum. <laughs> I went back and I, you know, because it's a lot like Bloodborne. Um, yeah. You could, it could require multiple playthroughs, right? To get the different endings. Right. But I just save scummed and went back and picked a different end. Like I, I saved after the final boss. Because there's yeah. a period after you beat the final boss, you get to pick your ending, and so if you save at that point, you can just like reload that and pick a different yeah. ending. Um, it's like if you use so a particular really, item or something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you have to set things up right. So for sure, there's there's like the the default ending, and then there's like Ranny's quest so where you have to mm-hmm. you know do that, and then there's like the frenzy. You know, the, uh, that's
0: the one I haven't done. That's why I don't have the bottom. And so
1: that's it. So I actually did have to do a separate playthrough to get that one, because if you don't do it the right way, it like locks you out of the other ending. So I did have to do one separate playthrough, but I was already doing it anyway, because I went through with like a, with a Unga Bunga, you know, strength only (laughs) character. Yeah. And I decided to go totally to the opposite end and do like ranged magic, like pure Mm -hmm. intellect user. And so I had already, uh, I had already created another character, so it wasn't a huge, you know, burden for me
0: to do it again.
1: Um, Yeah. And so, anyway, to to keep this from being an Elden Ring podcast, but that that was the one that (laughs) we
0: got to do that too. Though I mean, I'm okay. Yeah,
1: I'm. I'm, Yeah, (laughs) definitely include me in that. Out of all of the. You know, folks in the Discord and everything, I, I probably have the most extensive amount of time in, into Elden Ring. At I this would, point. I would almost from, guarantee from people it. that I, yeah, from the people that I that you know interact there normally. One um, day,
0: right, we're gonna get Elden Ring DLC, and then I think that's when we, yeah, do a show, right? And and sure?
1: I yeah, that that man playing through Bloodborne got me itching <laughs> for that, like. I was really hoping at the Game Awards they were going to do some kind of a trailer oh, know, or man. some kind of a teaser for it. I mean, it's it's got to be, you know, coming Close. out before yeah. too long. I hope so, like, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we haven't seen anything about it in a few months, but really yeah, got me at you know, for that. So, yeah.
0: I, I think um, that one of the reasons I, I, I'm really glad you brought up Elden Ring when we discussed that, because Elden Ring... I was in the same boat, right? I was playing it when it came out. I was part of that discussion. And one of the big discussions with Eldering, besides just all the exploration and and build types and all that stuff, that's still really fun to discuss. But it was the first time I can think of where such a wide group of people were playing a FromSoft game. And so everybody was having lower discussions and trying to figure out what's going on in this world. Like, You're kind of you join into elder ring sort of post all this stuff happening and you sort of mm-hmm. have to work your way backwards like hey what were all the events that took place yeah and that was a fun discussion but it really like it was like bittersweet because at the same time like, man that's the discussion i've always <laughs> wanted to have a bloodborne and no one's interested it was not the cultural zeitgeist um but i think that's fair right so for my history of from games really quickly is i also played Demon Souls. Very very similar. I think I made it through three of the. I, I played the remaster. I should know this. There's like five or six worlds, right? Mm-hmm. That or or areas. I think I played through half of them, and I was like, "This is fun. This is good." But I w- I didn't like quite understand like the FromSoft motif of like there there's no direct storytelling. That's not how they do things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't quite know that I was supposed to be embarking on this. Like while I'm picking things up reading things figuring out the lore something to like oh i need to know what's going on i just kind of got halfway through this really hard game and i was like this is pretty cool but I, i'm ready to move on to something else and i didn't play uh demon souls again um until the remaster came out um mm. that was when i finally actually beat that game oh um, i didn't
1: know you went back and beat the remaster
0: yeah remaster was great it's really huh. really good game if, if folks haven't played it yeah uh, i same-
1: i wanted to pick it up it's just one that i haven't gotten back to yet but yeah, for sure. I've, I've honestly, I've kind of wanted to go back and play some dark souls too. I've, I've heard, I need to go back. Some of those, those are being, you know, remastered at this point. So
0: my, my history of dark souls is very, very similar to yours as well. I kind of like dabbled in those games and there's something about it. that just didn't, they were fun, but nothing that like drove me to finish those games. It wasn't yeah. until much, much later, actually post bloodborne that I would want to go back and actually play all those games again. Hmm. Um, And Bloodborne, my history was was similar, I think, to a lot of people's in that I played probably the first couple hours of that game, had no idea what was going on. Uh, It was incredibly difficult. And then I bounced off and like, man, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't Mm -hmm. this isn't this isn't very fun. I'm going to go play something else. And then I think it took me like five or six months of like starting that game over, like dabbling down. And then I don't I honestly couldn't even tell you what it was. Something after like six months clicked and I was like, Oh, I get what this is. Okay, I now I'm having fun with it. Um
1: Yeah. I I definitely feel like there's a from soft switch or button or something. Yeah. And until you hit that or flip that, you know, it uh I, I could definitely yeah, understand you, <laughs> it being a lot less enjoyable if you were just like, I don't get it, what is going on? But then I feel like once you cross that threshold, then you know you're you're yeah. there, you're in the know at that point.
0: And and I think to start diving into to Bloodborne specifically, right? Bloodborne is in some ways a lot harder at the beginning than a lot of the other ones are because it's just as obtuse as everything else that's out there. Except they take something very important away from you at the very beginning of the game, and that's the ability to actually level your character. You mm-hmm. can't do it. You just you you pick a starting you know class that nothing in the class descriptions tell you exactly like what you're getting. Um, you just have slightly different stat points, which don't matter yet because you don't know what anything is, and you're dropped into this world. It's brutally difficult, and there is literally nothing you can do other than just get good at the game. Yep, <laughs> and so. I, they don't I even give you a weapon understand <laughs> at, at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, at the very beginning, you have nothing, right? You have yeah. to, like you're forced yeah. to die to finally get yeah. a one a like, like, couple
1: like, of tools. Like two handed attack this this you know thing as soon as you, <laughs> you wake up as fists. soon as you wake up.
0: <laughs> you're just karate chopping werewolves and it's not Cry- going well. Yep.
1: Not going well at all.
0: Um so given that, let's right before we, we dive into that gameplay, I'm curious, after all this time, what it what was it that made you want to play bloodborne eight years after it came out
1: well that's that's a good question like i said when when elden ring clicked with me it's it's made me want to go back and experience the other FromSoft games and yeah uh, you know you and and there's a few other friends of mine have have always talked about bloodborne like that there's there's a group of people that bloodborne is like the the top of the list of from games. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's quite a few people to be honest. And, and if you ever, you know, just go and Google like from soft games ranked, like it's not uncommon at all for bloodborne to be number one. And so I knew that it was something that I wanted to experience. I didn't know a lot about it, which I think was really good, you know, for, for the experience that I had. Um, yeah. At big, and I'm, you know, I guess I, I guess I'm really good at, you know, keeping my head in the sand or living under the rock <laughs> or like whatever it takes to not know anything about a game that's been out for eight years, basically. Um, so I I kind of wanted to go back and play it, and I had some time, yeah. you know, come up, and and I think it was when you started the you started the forum on the Discord server for Bloodborne, and yeah. you're like, hey, I'm I'm getting back into this, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it too. Like I've, I've That's been waiting. Awesome. The opportunity presented itself and I, I, you know, took advantage of it.
0: I th- I think for me, what it was is, I've is, uh, got that really, you know, fond uh, history with the FromSoft games. And then something else came out this year that uh, I was really excited about. And it was Lies of P. Yep. Um, which is a, uh, a Souls-like, Uh, game it's not made by fromsoft but um uh who made that game was it nexon uh but anyway yeah it came out and i was like okay like a pinocchio kind of inspired from game Mm -hmm. that sounds that sounds kind of cool i'll give it a shot and that game ended up being phenomenal i loved it and i liked it so much that i was like oh man am I even going to be able to go back and play some of the old From games anymore there's so many quality of life things they've done in Lies of P that mm-hmm. I really really enjoy um is this going to kind of spoil things and and so in in like November I got sick for I got the flu or something who knows um I I have a kid so somebody in this house is always sick <laughs> um <laughs> so the I got Petri sick, dish.
1: yeah
0: and so I'm just like laying in my bed it's like what am I going to do I I uh and I think like I I'm sick, Sometimes I I'm need sick, to
1: relax. What could I do? Relax. That's a really relaxing <laughs> experience to help me from soft game men. i'm I'm gonna play the most difficult game.
0: <laughs> I think it was a, it was a dual purpose. Like I wanted some comfort food, something that I really knew I enjoyed and something I already knew really, really well. Um, and I kind of also like, like this is a good opportunity to find out, like can I still play this game, like after playing? Some of these more modern entries like Sekiro and Elden Ring and Liza P. Oh, I totally forgot, it about, I forgot about Sekiro. <laughs> yeah. I tried Sekiro to was also too. really hard, I man. couldn't
1: do that. Yeah, I couldn't make it into that one. But that was before yeah. it clicked. Like, that's another one that I want to go back and try now that I understand a little bit more. Yeah. I feel like I could do it now that I uh, understand, you know, the the, the soft language formula a little bit better. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's a fun game. It, it's it's difficult in its own way, right? In, in that... I think that's what I like about some of these FromSoft games is they they have some unique personalities in there. Uh, mm-hmm. Demon, Demon Souls, Dark Souls, and Elden Ring all kind of, like, gear into, like, that fantasy... Uh, I don't want to say tropes, but, like, fantasy worlds, right? So th- those all kind of have a very similar language to them. Bloodborne's very, like, Victorian, very... Um, it's not fantasy, right? But it, it's got a lot of fantasy elements into it, werewolves and all that fun stuff. Um, and then Sekiro is like it's, its own little thing. It's like a like a ninja samurai game. Mm-hmm. But it has its own unique things like you can level up, but you don't get to get like a different sword and a different play style. It's like no, It plays like right. this, and you either get good at this or the, you can't beat this game. Um, yep. So and I that's think another that's one I understand people bounce off. Yeah, yeah, I bounced off of that
1: one big time. And yeah. I've tried to go there's not like, a lot of variety three or four times. <laughs> yeah. But the combat is so, it's so like, it's so good. Well tuned. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing is like, I, I love the combat. I'm just not good. <laughs> I'm just not yeah. good at it, but
0: I can, it I feels can amazing see. when it's going well. Yeah. But it's, yeah, you're just it's, like, it doesn't, that, uh, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have that, uh, it doesn't have that eldering thing of like, okay, I just, I just tried to fight this boss and, uh, this weapon isn't working well. I want something faster. I want something that hits harder. I want something more range. Mm. I was like, nope, those are not options on the table. <laughs> Just go and yeah. figure the pattern out.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and I think to be honest, I feel like that's one of the biggest things about Elden Ring that really hooked me is I'm, I'm a min maxer um, yeah. in games. And so I have tried out all different kinds of builds. I go in and respec everything and i i hunt the best weapons and get the best upgrades and the best you know whatever they're called uh you know war war moves whatever the you know special i can't even remember it's been so long since i played i it. know but, i know it, but, it feels um, weird
0: for a game i've played so much Ashe, of, i don't, of war. I don't remember the terms <laughs> <Thank> yeah <you. laughs> the
1: best uh yeah the best asher war to go on it and a lot of the other from games just don't have that so I think that's another yeah. reason why Elden Ring hooked me is, is the loot, the, all the different builds and all the different, uh, you know, and it really changes up the fighting styles and like the way yeah. that you approach things and, and stuff. So that, I think that's initially what hooked me, but then it also helped me get over the hump of, you know, learning again, the, the, from soft combat, you know, yeah. secret. And then I've been able to kind of take that back to some of the other games uh, since then
0: so so given that now you start bloodborne what's your first your first impression right you get your intro movie we'll we'll talk more yep. here in a little bit but you get your intro movie makes no sense you stop off in the clinic no weapons no nothing yep you just go what is your first take on uh the events as they unfold
1: yeah well I mean the very first take was oh they put me in a room with no weapon. And a giant werewolf, <laughs> mm-hmm. so I I know what to expect at that point. Like I <laughs> this is I this knew, is from Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like oh, they're sending me you know to a hub or to a, you know some kind of yep. some kind of safe space or whatever that looks like. So I I guess it would be nice to be surprised by that, but at this point, it's just you know it's kind of a meme at this point. Yeah. Um, so that's the very like first you- thought.
0: You play a Frubsoft game, right? And the first time you encounter the enemy, you're like, oh, this is the part where I'm supposed to die.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Unless you've never played before, right? And then, you know, it it was a great thing in Elden Ring, like whenever you first come out of the, you know, come out of the catacomb or whatever, there's that giant tree sentinel that's Mm -hmm. like walking around. And you're like, oh, here's the first enemy in the game. And it's like a a super leveled up boss that you would never be able to
0: beat. (laughs) You got to run
1: like, yeah, you've got to run. And people don't know that. And, and so, you know, kind of, kind of the same thing with Bloodborne, but there's nowhere to run. Like the wolf is in between you and the way out. So, you know, pretty much. But um, yeah, after that, like you said, it doesn't really give you, you know, it doesn't really give you any direction or anything other than that note. That's like right there. As soon as you get up, and yeah, I don't know, we can get more into that a, a in
0: note, the lore. But a note we can mention probably at this point that you read it. Yeah. you can beat this game and still not understand that note. People still debate <laughs> on what that note means. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah, and so and it, there, there's so much in that note, and it's only like you know what? It's like it's like a six sentence and words and a half or, or something. something like that. <laughs> yeah, and it's supposed to be. Again, like you said, not only is it like the main objective of the game, like kind of twofold, really. But there's yeah. so much to unpack in those in those six words. What is it? Seek pale uh, blood, seek and pale blood to transcend, to transcend, the, transcend the, hunt. the hunt. Yeah, yeah. And so then it's like, what's pale blood, or who's pale blood? <laughs> right. What's the hunt? What am I? Why does it need to be transcended? It's just like what what is going on? And again, it's it's so crazy how just those those few words set up like this entire thing and like you said you can go you can beat this game and still have no idea what that means and then <laughs> there's still people debating it and writing like 200 page like thesis <laughs> that I've about, read about what that, that i've read too yeah about uh about what that means and and it's just it's so crazy that that's the way that they built that world is like, here's these six words, yeah, you know, and people are still debating it like
0: eight, eight years later, what it actually, what it actually means. It's, it's absolutely wild to me that they do that. Um, and it's not, they've stopped doing it right. They still do it. Um, I just find it crazy. Like nobody else would dare. Right. Because they would just get, you know, dragged across the coals. Like this is not how you tell stories. Um, I don't know, man. From's really good at it. I get really into, into reading everything in their games. I do too, it's a lot and of fun. I
1: mean, Elden Ring did that a lot too. But then they also provided a lot more context. Like they had, yeah. they had this intro cinematic that really introduced you to a lot of the main, you mm-hmm. know, characters that you needed to be familiar with. And it kind of, you know, especially after the fact, you can come back and understand. You know, a little bit more, but it it really did a pretty good job of explaining where you were at. I mean, you probably didn't understand it the first time you saw it, but looking back on it, you know, and now looking back on on this note, like, I don't feel like it's any more helpful (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in a lot of ways, you know, now that I've beat the game, than it was the very yeah. first. Like, I'm not 100% sure I understand it any more now than I did the very first time I read it. I don't think anyone <laughs> does.
0: I, I think that's what all the debate's about. Yeah. So, you you die. You enter the hunter's dream. Mm-hmm. You finally get to pick a weapon. What what weapon did you decide to start out with?
1: I went with the saw cleaver first. Yeah. Yeah, because that yeah. one, you know, looked like the most interesting um I I went back and bought the Hunter's axe. Yeah, also very after cool. that. Yeah, because I planned on doing a a strength more or less a pure strength build was what I wanted to go with. That that's usually what I try to go with first because sure. it's it's less having to worry about all the stats. Like you really focus mm-hmm. on you really focus on vitality and stamina and strength and then that's pretty much all you need uh yeah. you know, for a strength based build. Um I didn't even try the threaded cane. I know there's a lot of people that are like threaded cane, (laughs) you know, aficionados. And if you're not using the cane, you're not playing Bloodborne, but I've, I've never even equipped it
0: in the game. Threaded cane is fun, but man, it's not, it is not the one to pick first up. That was my, I think one of my frustrations when I first played the game Mm. was like, okay, there's the saw cleaver. Okay. And a big ax seems like standard fair weapons to, to some degree. And there's a cane, and I was like, "That seems weird." I'm gonna pick the weird one, and it's <laughs> I'm awesome pick the because cane. it's like a, it's like a blunt short weapon, and then you can you can transform, you can transform all the weapons in Bloodborne. And this one transforms mm-hmm. into a whip, which makes it feel very Castlevania. Yep. Except it's pretty low damage compared to the other weapons. It doesn't scale as well. It just makes the game harder. It just looks yeah. cool. Yeah, it looks <laughs> yeah, awful. and I and I, yeah, great. It's, uh, there's a lot
1: of people that. Bloodborne fashion is like a big, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're like, yeah, if you're not rocking the cane, then, you know, what are, you know, you look like a Neanderthal walking around out there. You only um,
0: change to gear that you don't visually like if it serves a very specific purpose for an area. Like you need, you absolutely need frenzy defense or poison defense. Otherwise you just gotta look, you just gotta look good. Yeah. I mean, I always felt like
1: just kind of the default hunter outfit looks pretty good. It's very
0: balanced and it looks great.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's nice. Like I tried a bunch of other stuff, and like you said, yeah. if I was going up against fire or or some kind of resistance that I needed, that's the only time I would change. Yeah. But I think that kind of first set, uh, I I never really you know went too far away from that. I kept coming back to yeah. that. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty I, it's a pretty good look. I mean, it's what's it, on the it, cover of the game. It's like, unique, it's what's right? In all the promotional, yeah,
0: yeah. 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 No, it looks great. Um, so, so for for those who have maybe not played Bloodborne, we're we're gonna really again really start spoiling stuff here. So last <laughs> morning. Uh, get out while you one can. Of the, one of the cool things that Bloodborne does, I think, that that the other games don't do as much. You'll find some weapons that kind of do this thing, but every weapon is referred to as a trick weapon in that it has uh, a, a move set that you can do, and then you can tap uh, L one and it transforms the weapon in some way uh and gives it a either slightly or in some cases like a completely different Mm moveset. Um and the trick is like knowing what's the appropriate like mode to be in for your fight. Um during you can you can transform during moves and there's like special animations that are sometimes like the best way to transform the weapon. Um but Bloodborne has probably some of the most unique weapons, if not the most unique weapons and all FromSoft games, every weapon there's not as many as there are in other FromSoft yeah. games, but yep. each one is like really intricate and and feels like two different weapons. Yeah, put together. it does.
1: And and there's a lot more. Well, not a lot. There's quite a bit of diversity in mm-hmm. in combat that you need to account for. So you've got you know you're like one big enemy. You know that where you're kind of focused on one guy. But then there's a lot of like crowds and it's really easy to get, you know, like overrun by small, Mm -hmm. you know, like like, you know, groups of weaker enemies. And so, you know, you can't approach those guys with your one giant sword like you need a little bit more crowd control. But then there's there's really slow enemies and then there's super fast enemies. So it's like finding the right like you say, you know, weapon in the right mode to, you know, get the job done is definitely part of the challenge.
0: Well, and, and I think Bloodborne, uh, Bloodborne's setting, unlike a lot of the other From games, is not out in like a a big abandoned castle or like in the fields, right? You're walking yeah. like these sort of Victorian city streets and you might find at times like you've got your weapon transformed into like its longer range form. You've got the axe Uh, extended like a pole arm and you Mm. go to swing and you start slapping alley walls and you just get mobbed.
1: Yeah. You're in like this four foot wide alley. (laughs) Yeah. You don't have a lot of room to be swinging your giant ax or your giant sword.
0: That's one of the things I think Bloodborne does so well in that a lot of its mechanics uh, feel very tied in in, in and really thought about for the environment and for the story that they're telling, right? These are hunters that are uh, largely in like a city setting and so they need weapons that they can be using in open areas but also something that's very compact to use in alleyways or in back streets um it it's, it's very it just feels very thought out and, and i really appreciate that
1: and and a lot of times they like to look really good so they've look got really their good. fancy canes <laughs> and their top hats <laughs> and their their suits so yeah the hunters were very dapper uh fellows
0: yeah, I I like that you can find like there's the hunter's gear you mentioned, the default one it's on the cover. Yeah. And um when you get to the second area of the game, you can find another set of hunters gear that has, I think, exactly the same stats. Except it's more of like a uh like a coat jacket and a top hat mm-hmm. yep. um versus like the trench coat uh and like three corner hat that that you see on the cover.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's I I really liked that you kind of mentioned this earlier that pretty much all of the armor what i mean they're not stats wise are usually not vastly different so it is definitely no. more of a cosmetic thing than uh yeah you know than a
0: you'll see different functional. stats pop up and if if you're looking at them it's like this piece of armor and this piece of armor have like 10 points difference between defense and when you actually work that out into like how many points of defense you have overall it's nothing. It makes absolutely no difference. Yeah,
1: yeah. So they, most of them go up to like a hundred or hundred and twenty something like that. Yeah, that's that. like the max. And that's each piece, right? So yeah. yeah, swap into something else that it's know, like one ten or one hundred. Yeah. It's like yeah, uh, exactly.
0: It's not a huge change. Yeah. Nah. Um. So you start playing at the beginning of of Central Yarnum, and mm-hmm. uh, y- you can't level. Um. Which is just the best um <laughs> not frustrating at all not at all <laughs> i'm sure for most people um did you did you know about that mechanic going in
1: about the not being able to level up
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah i assumed you know that it was something that would come later again just based on my experience with with other FromSoft games you know like elden ring yeah. you're not able to level up until you know a little bit um, so I, yeah, I was kind of expecting that I, I it's, it's all, I wasn't sure how hard I was going to have to look to find it. I guess if that makes <laughs> sense, like, did they really, were they like, really didn't want people to level up or how far did they want people to go? Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, I, I, again, it was, it wasn't something that really took me by surprise, but I yeah. was just like, how far am I going to have to go before I can level up? And then I think, you know, pretty typical from soft, they put like a a really tough enemy pretty, pretty close to the beginning. They've got an executioner, you know, right down one of those alleyways. Oh yeah. And I was like, Oh, I bet I can take this guy on. I'm making it through these other dudes pretty well. Like, nope. Yeah. He just, he just splattered me all over the, all over the walls and the floor. That dude. And
0: And then you, you decide I'm going to focus. This is what I did anyway. Like I'm like, this guy must drop something great. So yeah, Exactly. I die like 10 times. You finally beat him. He drops, he drops drops, like some blood vials. It's two (laughs) blood vials. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not worth the amount of time. it to be difficult. Yeah. No, not at all. So at, at a certain point, uh, you are able to level. Were you, did you, uh, understand what happened that caused you to be able to start leveling or was it just like, Oh, I can, I can level now. Um, I'd be from like a lore perspective. Do you mean yeah, or or even mechanically, like right? Like I I understood like oh I've gotten to the first boss I died, but now that I've encountered the first boss, they're letting me level up.
1: Oh okay. Um, but at
0: least in my first playthrough, I didn't understand like why that why that was. Like I just knew like oh, I guess if you just enter this room, you get to start leveling at this point. Yeah, I don't I actually. Don't, yeah, like... I don't
1: think I thought about it. Yeah. Okay. I, again, it it was something that I was looking for. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I found it, I was like, oh, there it is. OK, now I know. Yeah, I, I don't think I really put any thought into like from a lore perspective why I was able to level up. Gotcha. Um,
0: I, I mean, I didn't either uh, until yeah. I, I had played further into the game and it started to make more sense. So did did you uh, did you come across the cleric beast first? Was that your first boss? Yeah.
1: Cleric beast was the first, um, you know, which which was interesting Hmm. Um, because there's quite a few bosses that I guess are optional, and yeah. you beat them, and it's just like a dead end. <laughs> like where <laughs> the the place where you fought them was just like that's the end of it, and then it's just like okay, well I guess I'll just turn around and go <laughs> go to go a different direction. <laughs> then, so yeah, cleric beast was the first one I came across, and then yeah, beat him. Didn't take too many
0: tries it was a lot it was really tough to
1: get back to clear yeah you've
0: got to do that run right it it does not uh it does not do a lot of giving you a a lantern or a save point like right before a boss yeah um you've got to run the stage essentially it's the it's old school from definitely yeah
1: exactly And, and it's it's funny i remember one of one of David's complaints about Elden Ring was like how long it takes to get from the <laughs> to get from the point of grace to the boss in Elden Ring and I was like dude Man. it takes like 10 seconds to get like you got no idea <laughs> playing, yeah. playing other FromSoft games oh
0: my um, gosh when you get to uh, the uh, the forest in Bloodborne and you're fighting the Shadows of Yharnam good good lord mm-hmm. help you if you die Yeah, you have to run the one. entire stage to get yep. back there and it's super easy to get lost <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's, that's probably the place that I got the most frustrated is trying to find my way through, especially the last part when you're in like the graveyard or whatever, whatever it was with all the snake creatures. Yep. That was, it was just a maze, I guess, you know, looking back on it because I just actually played it again in my new game. Plus there are lanterns. (laughs) That that you can just follow, and it yeah. leads you through it. But it's, for some reason, in my first playthrough, I was like, "No, I need to stay out on the edges, like stay off the road." You know, because that's where all the that's where all the bad guys are. And I mean, I this, get it. Yeah, and then in the <laughs> second playthrough, I'm like, "You idiot! You could have just <laughs> stayed on the road, and we would have got this done in like 20 minutes, probably." Uh, now, uh,
0: I, I think one of the last things mechanic I, I want to talk about before we dip into the lore here is you and I were kind of chatting about this on discord a bit as you were playing. And one of the things you had mentioned, which I think is completely fair is you felt like, uh, the amount of gear and weapons that you're providing in this game uh, during your playthrough is like, it's a very slow drip. It's like a trickle, especially if you're coming from yeah. Elden Ring, which feels like it, it drops a new piece of gear in your lap, like every five minutes, it feels like sometimes, or if you're just yeah. exploring, right, you just find things all the time. Yeah. And, uh, Bloodborne doesn't do that for uh, until I think like three-fourths through the way through the game, you finally start to open up uh, a lot of weapons uh, from either NPCs or that they're just available in the late stage areas. But mm-hmm. you play through a big portion of that game, and if you're just playing it straight through and you don't know all the secrets right, um, you don't see a lot of gear uh, or a lot of weapons come your way.
1: And and I think there's a lot of gear that comes in the DLC. So it's not even in the base a lot. game. Yeah, yeah. And so, the DLC
0: is like different. If you play the old, Hun- you didn't play the old Hunters DLC, did you? Not yet, no. no okay. I've been thinking about you'll, it. You'll enjoy the pacing there more. I, I feel like mm-hmm. old Hunters DLC is like every 15 minutes, you find a new piece of gear, um, yeah. either weapon or, or gear. It's fantastic. I had forgotten how much gear is in that DLC because it's not super long. It's It's a good chunk of game for sure. But um, mm. it feels like the DLC has like almost as much gear <laughs> as the base game crammed into like three well, areas or four that, areas. That whatever. definitely it's,
1: sounds more appealing to me. But, it's fun. Yeah, it's I, I would say that's that's probably one of the biggest complaints that I had. So I sure I ended up going with Ludwig's Holy Blade as my main. I, uh, yeah. Um, and you can get that pretty early on, like yep. maybe. After what, like the second uh, required boss or something like that? I'm pretty sure um, that's where I got it.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you skip yeah. cleric and you go, you go by Father Gasqueen and then Bloodstarved Beast, mm-hmm. then you can get into the. Oh,
1: well, Blood is not required, is it? That's an optional. one. I was thinking Father. I think and then is Vicar Amelia because
0: uh, Vicar Amelia is so much fun. Um, I think Bloodstar uh, Beast is when you beat that beast, it's what opens the doors uh, in Odin Chapel okay. to the. Uh, oh, so that's where church you get Hunter's Hunter's it. That's where
1: you go to the the yeah the church. Uh, you're right, yeah, you're the, right. the tower. So yeah. you can get the even before vicar. So really, only one oh, yeah. required boss and one optional boss, and you can get that weapon. So that that's really early in the game, and then I yeah. I use that for the entire rest of my playthrough because it's really it's great. It, it, it's it, great. It's It's basically like a one handed, you know, regular sword, which is mm-hmm. pretty quick. It's got good range. So you can deal with the mobs, you know, of yeah, like the, very fast. Yeah, very fast. And then it, the, the trick part is it, it transforms into this giant great sword, which yeah. hits really hard, really good move set, really good range. And that's what I used for, like, the bigger, slower enemies. And even, you know, the bosses that were quicker, I used the, you know, the the smaller sword version. Um, and so, yeah, I stuck with that the whole way. I got it up to plus 10, like, fully yeah. unlocked. And I, I tried other weapons, the few mm-hmm. that were available. And like you said, they, they become available later on. But by that time, you're already, like, you know settled on, on yeah, this weapon. Yeah. And so I mean, you don't I, really have a lot. I beat 10
0: bosses with this weapon. I, I exactly. Like,
1: I know the moveset. It's been <laughs> upgraded. I don't have enough materials. Like, I've probably put some of my build, like, I've done my build in a certain way to improve this weapon. So it doesn't really right. give you, like, a a reason or motivation to try another weapon other than... I'm tired of using this weapon that I've put all this effort into basically. So, right. I, yeah. I, I wish that there was a little bit more, you know, especially in the early game, you know, in the base yeah. game. Um, But I, I also think that that's me coming from Elden ring and, and really like that being something that I really loved about Elden ring. Right. And For like sure. wanting that in bloodborne versus if you were coming from dark souls, uh, maybe it wouldn't as, as, have been as a, a complaint, you know, because maybe that yeah, it's just kind of coming from a different you know. Perspective There's like
0: plus and minus to it, right? Like on on the plus side, getting a new piece of gear in Bloodborne feels like a big deal because you just don't get that many. You're like, oh, this is really cool. I found something new. But you're right. I think the downside is because you sometimes go these long periods of time in between finding a new piece of gear. Like, well, yeah, I found this new thing. It's cool. I'll try it out later, <laughs> and then you don't. Yeah, because you're exactly. really like comfortable. Uh, with Holy Blade, which is um probably outside of the DLC, um I've got three weapons, or probably four weapons in the base game that are like my favorite weapons, but my first and second playthroughs, man, I was it was Holy Blade all the way. I loved that weapon. All yeah, right, I, I would really um,
1: love to play the DLC just to try the Moonlight Grace You'll Sword. like it. It's not
0: Yeah. It's not super long. Um it it's I feel like I think it was like twenty bucks. I got it for ten bucks. It was on sale when I. When I <laughs> well, yeah, it and I so but I I, mean, I paid
1: ten dollars to play Elden Ring. So I was like, do I want to, do I want to pay twice that? <laughs> oh, you mean <laughs> for uh, this, Bloodborne for this DLC? Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. I paid yeah, yeah I paid ten dollars for Bloodborne, and the DLC is twenty bucks. So I'm like, mm, nice. Sure <laughs> so like, let me
0: well, I and I get it. let's find out if I like it first. Um, yeah, yeah. Which, and you know,
1: I'll definitely look for it to come on sale again, for sure.
0: Yeah, I think it's really, really good. I think you'll I think you enjoy the pacing of, of that DLC uh, quite a bit. Um, and, of course, the upside right is, with FromSoft Games, New Game Plus, all the stuff you find you get to carry over um, and try out uh, playing the game over with one of these other weapons that was not available to you until much later. Yep. Uh, so... I think we should start digging into the lore here before we run out of time completely. Um, which, man, it feels wild. I I think I've, (laughs) I think I've been avoiding it though, because like there's so much to like talk about in bloodborne. I I think I Mm -hmm. love it mechanically. You know, before we move on, let me mention one other thing. I, that I am, I don't know if I hate it or love it. It's really hard to say. Uh, I don't love it. I guess I'll say this: I don't love this mechanic. I just have a hard time thinking of how best to fix it, um, mm. and that's blood vials um, and bullets, yeah. really. Uh, uh, so those yeah. are consumable resources that that do not automatically fill back up when you rest necessarily, unless you have spares in your storage. Yeah. Um, you just have to and you have to farm these items, and man, and blood vials is how you
1: heal. So that's your that's healing, how you heal, yes, uh, item. And so, yeah, compared to Elden Ring you have some number, we'll say 10 of these flasks in Elden Ring. So that means yeah. you can heal yourself 10 times um before you run out. If you die, but if you die, your flasks get refilled. You you get all 10 of them again. Yeah. In Bloodborne, you don't. You don't get them back <laughs> unless you have You have to find them. Yeah, you have to go find them. So you you can hold 20 right out of the box. And then mm-hmm. if you find any more in the game world, they go into like your storage chest or whatever. Yeah. And and then if you when you die, if you have any in storage, that gets put into your inventory. But you can run out. So if you're fighting a yeah. bo- let's say you have a hundred vials and you're fighting a boss and you use all one hundred of them over like ten attempts or whatever, then yeah. you have no way to heal yourself at that point
0: yeah you might have to stop trying
1: yeah you have to go go out and go buy some or go farm you know somewhere in another area and get these vials um so yeah this was something that i struggled with for a really good chunk of the game and then i just i I happened to find a really good kind of farming loop Mm -hmm. that was also good for blood echoes and so I was leveling oh, up and getting you know a good number of vials. So by the end of the game, I think I had like three hundred vials in my in, yeah. in my storage thing. <laughs> yeah. um, and you not because I wasn't hit the part them. where
0: it's not a big deal anymore. But man, there are some points of the game where it's like, okay, you farm, you've got some. And then you go through a long stretch, and you don't realize until you've tried the boss like the fifth or sixth time. Like, oh no, I'm really low on blood files.
1: Yeah, and then like like you mentioned, the bullets are are the parrying mechanic, basically. Right. And and so you yeah. still you if you're somebody that's really into parrying, you don't have like a shield or a buckler or whatever that you're parrying with. You have a gun that takes bullets. Once again, you have a limited amount. So if if you're really wanting to parry you're trying this boss over and over you can run out of bullets and then you need to go and farm bullets uh to be able to do to do these parries and so that yeah i I struggled with both of those especially right at the end because one of the final bosses in the game um you know he he is able to be parried and it so i ran out of bullets and blood vials Uh, you know, in in one of the final bosses, and I had to go back and farm. Oh, man, (laughs) it's the pits. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) especially that being, like, right at the end of the game. So this is not something, like, I I think you maybe could get to a point where you didn't have to worry about it, but you can go all the way through this game and, like, still be (laughs) running into this issue. For sure, um, yeah. Throughout the whole playthrough.
0: And I don't want the right fixes, because Bloodborne's a much more... Aggressive game than some of the other mm. FromSoft games. Some of them a little more um, focus on pairing, focus on dodging. Bloodborne absolutely has that, but it has an entire mechanic introduced with this game of as you take damage, you have like so much that you can gain back by attacking the enemy, and it really wants you to lean into that to keep the fight going longer. The best thing you can do is be aggressive. Don't stand back and be passive. Yeah, um, is that they so, call that
1: the rally? Rally mechanic, yeah the rally mechanic yeah yes sir. yeah so ba- basically when you take damage you you have a certain amount of time and you can get that health back if you do damage so let's mm-hmm. say let's say you take a big hit and it takes you down to 50 percent health well there's like this secondary bar on your health bar and you know that that it tells you this is how much you can heal if you attack but you only have 5 seconds to do that. So so if you if you attack within 5 seconds and do damage, you can yeah. gain a little bit of your health back or you know sometimes a good bit. But if if you're going up against a boss and it's like this big Tricky. huge <laughs> boss, then you have you have to make the decision, do I want to go aggro and try to get some of this health back and risk getting stomped again or you know, do I want to stand back and you know use a blood vial so yeah it it definitely brings a lot more strategy i guess into into the fights in that way mm-hmm. and i think you you hit the nail on the head if if blood vials were an infinite thing then people wouldn't care about the rally mechanic as much right. like they i i think that they they limited healing, using blood vials to kind of force people to use the rally mechanic yeah. to get health back. And I definitely, uh, definitely was not a huge fan of that myself.
0: Yeah, I get it, man. It's like, I understand why it's there. Uh, I think mechanically it does exactly what it's supposed to do. It, it drives into using this rally mechanic. But, um, I feel like anytime you're doing a boss run and you, you have to like stop get yourself out of the boss group because you have to go farm it's like oh that's that's the worst that part i do not like <laughs> so yeah. um i, yeah, I tend I, to yeah find farming spots early in the game and just make sure i've got hundreds of those things so i don't have to think about it for the rest of my playthrough
1: yeah and and you also mentioned another pro tip is buying the blood vials oh if, yeah if you do that early in the game they're less expensive they're but the yeah. further you get in the the price goes up so at the point i was in a blood vial costs like i think it was like 800 you know yeah. blood echoes at the time or something which is way That's too much for for <laughs> one you know when you're when you're going through 20 in a single boss encounter right. potentially uh you know that get that gets really expensive
0: Yeah it does yeah when you start having to make that decision of like all right do i do i spend you know 50,000 on just blood echoes or is it better just to earn up another like twenty thousand and just level up again
1: yep so yeah you could definitely you could definitely be spending more on files than you would like leveling up your vitality and getting some more health (laughs) for sure (laughs) or defense or whatever direction you wanted to go
0: i think it's a pretty good review of of i think bloodborne mechanically what kind of game it is um do you have time to dive into lore? I know we've, we've kind of crossed the yeah. mark. This is the
1: important part. This is, the, this is, important this is part. the thing. Yeah. All right,
0: man. So what the heck is Bloodborne about? Um, it's, it's, about blood, right? it's about blood, right? It's about blood, kind of. There's blood in Bloodborne.
1: Good blood and bad blood and pale blood. Those are one all the bloods. One
0: of my favorite things about this game, and I didn't know this going in, I don't know if you did or not, but in all the trailers for the game coming out, Promotional materials, things like that. They really like ramped up that you're going to like be fighting werewolves and you're going to be fighting uh, monsters and beasts and, and things like that. Um, and so I was going to this thinking, oh, this is kind of like a Castlevania take mm-hmm. on you get, you get your Victorian world. You've got you know uh, people turning into werewolves, very very cool. Yeah. And as the game progresses, you realize, oh, this game is actually Cosmic Horror. Like. <laughs> You just Lovecraft. get to—it's it's a Lovecraftian yeah. like cosmic horror thing, Eldritch. and they don't tell you yeah. that. You slowly uncover that as you play. And I thought, man, that's so cool to like. I, I think it's that's one of the things that a lot of games that try to do this get that try to do cosmic horror get wrong is out of the gate. Like, okay, tentacles from space, like five <laughs> seconds in, and you're like, that's not what makes like cosmic horror scary, right? It's yeah, it's that it's very rare it's unknown and and seeing it is you know maddening and that kind of thing yeah uh, literally
1: so in the game yeah quite literally yeah <laughs>
0: there's a madness mechanic yeah um that's my least favorite thing to get ramped up all the way um
1: yeah i only had that happen like one time was uh, it from the winter was...
0: lanterns the the weird giant guys with a ton of eyeballs on their no
1: head? no it was um mm. it was right outside of The uh, either Murgo's loft or yes, the tower that has the giant light shining out of it, yeah, 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 that was that was the one that got me, but yeah, to go back to your question, yeah, so I I didn't know that that's what it was about, okay, um, and I, I didn't learn until later that. That like what you mentioned, they purposefully held that back, and like all the promotional, yeah. all the trailers and everything, just made like they they never gave this away, in until people started playing it, and so I I didn't know if again this was just my head in the sand thing that I mentioned earlier, like I just totally yeah. missed this. Um, and I mean, it's I, I good feel that like you the, did, right? Yeah, but it it's it was great to experience this because there there is a there's a very clear point where the veil is lifted and I was just like what <laughs> what the is hell game? is going on? <laughs> yeah. It uh, it does like a 180 and it's just it goes from being werewolf in castlevania to something totally something totally different.
0: There's a really cool thing, one of the things I love about the game and it does not reveal itself until far later. It's pretty easy to understand up front once you have the ability to level that as you kill enemies, you're getting blood echoes, souls, you know, kind of in this game. Runes for and, the Elden Ring
1: people.
0: Yeah, runes for Elden Ring people. And you are, um, that's probably a better uh, a better uh, way to describe that. Right Way more people have played Elden Ring, so runes. <laughs> um, so you, you acquire those things. You trade them in in the Hunter's Dream to, to level your character up. That makes sense. Right below your blood echoes, you have another symbol. It's a symbol of an eye. Mm-hmm. and it's not very clear what that is for you you accumulate it sometimes through consumption of an item sometimes you just get it and if you if you're unless you're like really focused on what's going on you may not realize why you just got it yep. um and in, it can be also sight. spent insight
1: yeah. insight so is what it's called. it can
0: be spent in the hunter's dream eventually um mm-hmm. to to acquire things um but you can't get insight just by killing enemies so that's it's not like a a farmable thing mm-hmm. um I'm not going to say that there's not a way to continually get it. There are mechanics in the game that allow you to do it, but you get insight far less frequently, but it has a different impact on the game. So when you first start the game out, you get your intro movie. And as best as you can tell, um, you are an outsider to this city of Yarnum. You've arrived at this clinic for some kind of healing. Some crazy old man agrees that, yep, we're going to go ahead and get you uh, this IV drip going, A little blood <laughs> transfusion, but, uh, you need to sign this contract in order to do so you mm. do it. You see some wild stuff after you get, uh, that transition going and everybody disagrees about what's happening in yeah. that scene. Um, and, and we're going to come back in a second. Cause I'm curious about your interpretation of it. Um, after that's over, the game starts proper. You go die to a werewolf, um, or you run past the werewolf and just die to something else. Yeah. Um, and then you end up in the hunter's dream and there's very, you can't really do anything that's hunter's dream really. Um, yeah. It's very small. A, yeah, yeah. There's it, like it's a
1: one little building workshop. Yeah. That's one got building, your, work, your bench where you upgrade your weapons and then it's got your storage chest yep. um, where you can. And then another area where you can go in and equip the kind of like power, like the buffs and, and stuff, the the runes that you can equip uh, yeah, yeah, it is really not, limited.
0: Not um, that it tells you any of going to that. You'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but so
1: if you think of it like in Elden Ring, I mean, Elden Ring's hub area was pretty, I mean, it wasn't huge, but there was a lot going on. By comparison, there's a lot yeah, going on there. Compared yeah. to Bloodborne. Yeah, it was really like one room and then yeah. your teleport. And you
0: you know. you're somewhat alone there, right? You show up in the Hunter's Dream. There's, there's like a, a human humanoid doll that's there that does nothing. Yeah. And you go up into the shop and you meet, um you meet German for the first time who just tells you like, Hey, look, I know this is weird. Don't think about it. Just go kill some beasts. Yeah. And uh, you'll like be fine. You,
1: you're a hunter. You need to go, you need to be go a hunt. hunter. Yeah. And he's <laughs> a really old man. He's in a wheelchair. It's a really old man. He's basically, you know, like, like, he seems like he's there to guide you, tells you get back mm-hmm. out there. Don't waste your time in here. Uh Yeah. Yeah, so not, not and, much and going on in the Hunter's Dream.
0: Not, not a lot in the Hunter's Dream yet. Now, after you encounter your first boss, you'll, you'll get your first piece of insight. And looking back now, had no idea at the time. Looking back now, it's like, oh, you see, you see your first beast, something way beyond just like a simple half-transformed person or werewolf. Like this is like a towering beast. And just by seeing it, you acquire some insight into the world. And that's enough to then when you go back to the Hunter's Dream, because you probably just died to the Cleric Beast, um, the doll is now active and awake and you can be spoken to, you can start leveling. Um, and I did not put together at first like that. I I just thought, oh, you counter a boss and then it just triggers this event to happen where now you can gotcha, okay. start leveling. Yeah,
1: that's what happened to me. So when you asked me earlier, yeah. I was like, uh, I don't think I caught anything but i yeah, didn't first that place makes sense it at all. that you, and because you, you get insight not by defeating the boss j- just by encountering the right. boss you just by insight.
0: seeing it just yeah, by seeing it
1: so you can it, it, you can get to that first boss and just see it and it can kill you instantly but that's enough yeah, to it's enough. give you that insight that yeah unlocks stuff more stuff becomes available to you in the world when when you and, have
0: that it's very easy to miss that every time you encounter a boss or, or certain events happen that will gain you insight. There is like this almost very transparent, hazy cloud that will show up over your character's head and kind of sink into it. It almost looks like stars or like space a little that. bit. Yeah. When you're doing a new game, plus the next time you hit a boss, just like look at your character's head when you walk through and there'll be this weird sound and there'll be like this kind of cloudy mass that <sighs> it comes around you and, sinks into your brain
1: yeah i am always looking at the boss i guess well yeah <laughs> 100 percent. Like, right like where is he going i be? think it's
0: intentional yeah. right i think yeah, that's exactly is. how they so designed th- this it all be.
1: goes back to you being like phd level bloodborne and i'm like <laughs> this is just
0: like i've played a lot and it's just like man uh one of the things i think it's so exciting about bloodborne is i think more than any other game not only is it just it does like i think what it has a, is a cool story in a cool setting but it really tried to integrate these, uh, like Lovecraftian themes into its mechanics. Yeah. Um, blood means something beyond just leveling and insight is something that you can use to to do things beyond just spinning it to get, you know, new gear. Mm -hmm. Um, so it has a lot of cool, it has a lot of cool mechanical things to it. Um, to, to jump out of order here. One thing you probably don't know, and I didn't know until I, I had done it by accident. Um, There is an optional area of the game, uh, game called uh, what is it called? Uh, Chemwick Harnell Lane. Yeah, I did that. Where you encounter the Witch of Hemwick. Yep. Boss. Yep. And the Witch of Hemwick boss. That was my farming. That was my farming. Was that your farming location? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The when you encounter the Witch of Hemwick, she's not that hard to kill. The problem is that she just she disappears and she summons out like these like horrors, like these. Yeah. um, like tall shadowy things with size to come after you. If, if you start that boss battle and then you leave, there are certain, you can either spend it all or there are certain enemies that can cause you to lose insight. But if you go into that fight with no, with no insight, you have zero insight. When you go back to that boss fight, she can't summon those things. You can't perceive them. They they just don't show up And the boss fight is super duper easy. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That's crazy. Yeah. So it's for the Elden ring. People to think of, of the spirit caller snail. Um, boss. Yeah. Ademi, yeah. Yeah. Very similar. She kind of like disappears and hides and then summons these summons these enemies that chase you around and, and kill you. But yeah, if, if, if she can't summon, then that, that takes a, <laughs> that takes a lot. That takes all the, uh, all the difficulty out of that fight. <laughs> That's and funny. I think
0: it's really, it's a really funny mechanic, right? In that you can lower your insight and it's it's not that the things aren't there. You just can't perceive them, and you can't even perceive them to the fact that they can't even harm you. That's crazy. So you're actually safer by having yeah. low insight. Same, same with when you were talking mechanic. about in the Nightmare, when you're seeing that light come out of the tower uh, uh, from the, the brain of Mensis, and it, mm-hmm. it's causing you to frenzy. So frenzy is basically madness in this game, and you have yep. a gauge if it fills all the way up you immediately lose like 80% of your health, regardless of how much health you have. It's always like 80%. Yep. Um, so very, it's, it's very almost, tough
1: to survive.
0: It's a death that. sentence. If you're in a fight, like, it's yeah. terrible. Um, how quickly that bar builds up uh, ties into how much insight you have. The more insight you have, the quicker that you will go mad and frenzy. Wow. Yeah. It's,
1: that's, that's amazing. It,
0: it's so weird. It's it, but it, it's like, I that's love super that. Cool. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's super I love cool. That stuff. And,
1: and so much of this, I would have totally not been aware of. Um, and
0: and I you got to play the game like uh every every gotta, couple of years gotta or gotta three, platinum years, it, I guess, <laughs> or 8 years. <laughs> yeah. Um no, that's awesome. So so you leave the clinic, you go to Central Yarnum. Uh that's really like where you start to dig into like what's happening. You uh mm-hmm. the first NPC you counter is Gilbert, I think his name is. I didn't uh, even the f- come across him. Did you did, did you miss Gilbert? There. Yeah. Okay. I missed a so, lot of
1: NPC. I didn't know. It's, the it's easy, lanterns. right? Because yeah. you can't see them. Yeah. There's
0: like, uh, there's like these windows in the city. And uh, so, phew, man, you, there's so much lore to dig into, but there's these windows <laughs> in the city and there's little lanterns outside that are burning incense. They burn like a reddish pinkish color. Yeah. And that's an indication that somebody is inside a house, doors locked up, burning incense to ward off monsters uh on a night of the hunt and we're going to dig into what the hunt is or what we think it is anyway um so those are always worth checking because you might encounter in pc a lot of times it's going to be somebody who's like hey you're an outsider get off my doorstep. step i'm not opening a door yeah the hunt is on tonight you're crazy get out of here <laughs> but you encounter gilbert for the first time um near uh, the first lantern that you can unlock mm-hmm. and uh he is the i think first person who actually does provide like some insight as to where you probably should be headed yeah he tells you he's also an outsider he doesn't really know much about what you're looking for but you need to get to cathedral ward and there's a big bridge from central yarn that goes to cathedral ward that's where you should go and mm-hmm. so that's supposed to be like oh that's where that's why i go there and that's why i encounter the cleric beast yeah. Um, is because that's where he's telling you you're supposed to oh, go. Oh, okay. I didn't, he that said out. that. I still didn't know that that's where that bridge was until much later. I was like, oh, I didn't know this. until you
1: just said it. <laughs> I, I thought he was talking about the one that took you to like the grand cathedral.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a confusing game. <laughs> um, if you go back and talk to Gilbert throughout the game, and that's a fun thing to do too, as you encounter some of these NPCs, even if they're only inside a house, you're talking to him through windows their dialogue will change based on how kind of far you are in the game. Um, Gilbert, in, you encounter him. He sounds like he's a little sick, uh, but he's doing his best to try to help you out. Tells you go to Cathedral Ward. If that doesn't work out, then he'll tell you like, oh, yeah, they must have locked it down. But I heard there's some aqueducts that you can go through. like oh, some that would have been helpful. That probably, <laughs> and that's supposed to lead you to, to Gurman. Oh, not to Gurman, to uh, Father Gascoigne. Yeah. Um and then eventually, if you go back to, him, I think at the third time you go back, and he'll say, "Hey, I don't think I'm gonna be able to get out of bed soon. Why don't you take my flamethrower?" And gives oh, you a flamethrower. Wow. Okay.
1: <laughs>
0: so yeah. that that stuff is pretty cool. Totally um, missed it. If uh, gosh, so when you go through Central Yarnum, you start to encounter just groups of what appear to be Yarnumites, villagers, whatever you know people Mm -hmm. that dwell in the city that are just hunting after beasts, but they don't seem all there. You know, they're all, some of them are half transformed already and they're still hunting beasts. Um, they kind of seem like they're all mad. Um, and, but you frequently will hear them. Oh, you know, you'll overhear them or you'll, uh, get dialogue when you, when you attack them that tonight is the night of the hunt. Mm hmm. Now, as far as we we can tell, the hunt is like a, a routine event that happens in Yarnum where people have transformed or beasts have infested the city. And it's such a large problem that the every, everyone who can't fight, get inside, lock your doors. Everyone else grab the yeah, best the, weapon you can
1: hunters, have. Hunters, get out there, do your hunting. If you're yeah. able to fight, go out and fight. And there's like official
0: hunters like real hunters Mm -hmm. uh who are like trained in that and there's then there's just like the mob that's just like to do what they can yeah uh i i think man god i don't know where to start with this there's so much to (laughs) dive into did did you get an impression what 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 was your did you did you kind of delve in and get an impression of like what is the hunt and like how did it start um not when I
1: was playing the game, I a lot okay. of and I I'll, I'll probably say that's my what what I would say for most of the this lore stuff. Like I definitely didn't pick up on the vast majority of it when I was playing the game. Yeah. Um only when I did the supplemental reading afterwards, you know, did I Yeah did I kinda pick up on A lot of this stuff but yeah i I was kind of the same i was like okay they've it it is some kind of a ritual thing because people know like you said the npcs are like you're crazy to be outside during the hunt or like i'm not coming out during the hunt so like they know you know the people that are locked in and then the yeah the the villagers that are out there are they are looking for beasts and you know um yeah, I I definitely didn't put it together. Um, so it, until it, afterwards,
0: it, it seems like uh, initially there were there were hunts that were you know not not an event. In fact, they were probably pretty secret, right? Uh, yeah, only hunters, they, they are hundred percent secret at first. 100% yeah, hundred percent secret. Hunters take play, you know, take care of that stuff. It then becomes too big of a problem to deal with, and yep. the the hunters kind of shift. Um, to a new, you know, away from being their own kind of group into being part of this church, uh, the Healing Church of Yarnum, uh, which is the one that's administering all this blood, um, and then it starts to become more of like the the big mob thing. It's no longer a secret, yeah. recruiting everyone they can. But yeah. it seems like there there are at least two times in the game uh, world, including the, the the night that we're out there as a hunter, where the night doesn't seem like it's ever going to end like there has to be something that fixes a problem and it's not just like oh that's how time is progressing in the game it's more like no no this night really is not ending yeah uh, yeah so it's not like your regular
1: 24 hour it's it's right. more like you know in in like you know above the arctic circle or whatever where it's like yeah. dark for you know weeks or however long you know some more like like something Something is causing it to basically yeah. be forever night. Um, and, 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 you and
0: German's giving a little bit of that, that right? You go to the Hunter's dream. And he's kind of telling you, like, if you want this hunt to end, you need to whatever it is, you know, yeah. he, he doesn't give you exact details, but he's like, you're going to have to hunt beasts yep. in order to get this, this, there's a beast out there. More. Probably when, when you've hunted enough, the night is going to end.
1: Yep. And then, you know, going back to that note, at the very beginning of the game that talks about transcending the hunt Um again, you know, the hunt that that implies that the hunt is something much bigger, you know, much, much more than just a single night where everybody goes inside at night, you know, for this, yeah. this thing to take place, this event to take place. Um, I
0: th- and yeah. I think I'm doing I'm doing a very bad job of, of talking about this game because I think there's so much lore to it. I'm struggling for like where to take a high level view and where to to, to dig in. So I guess yeah, me,
1: I, I think let's I think it would be take good a high to level give, view. Yeah, that's what I was about. Let's let's just kind of go <laughs> to the beginning and give like a really brief high yeah. level like start with Bergenworth and, and yeah. And
0: I think and, that's a and that. that's a great idea. Feel free to jump in here anytime because uh, I haven't done the reading in, in a long time. Yeah. And so the events as I remember them out of order from how you discover them in the game. So ignore mm-hmm. the game logic here for a second. Yeah. But as far as we we'll can put tell, them in the order that makes sense, <laughs> that makes sense, right? <laughs> the most um, sense, I guess <laughs> the, the overall story of the game appears to be that uh, you have a, a college of some kind called Bergenworth. Mm-hmm. Um, some, some you know, smart folks there and, uh, doing some exploration they find under the city of Yarnum to be these, these underground cities or tombs. Um, and it probably started off as like a very archeological figuring out where our ancestors came from kind of a thing. And as they dig into these tombs, they start to find like the people that are here are not like humans. They're, they look different from us. They look bigger. They look stronger. Um. They're wildly transformed. Like there's something really weird about this place. They're seeing creatures that they've never seen before. And and very vaguely, they never quite tell you what exactly they find, but they find something there that lets them understand that there is there are there are cosmic beings out there, Lovecraftian, mm-hmm. great ones. Um and they take samples and blood and all kinds of things back to Burdenworth to study it. And they start off on a venture to try to ascend humanity, to to try to contact these great ones, um, and the next a, next level of evolution. The next level of evolution, of, of right? Human,
1: yeah.
0: Um, over time, there appears to be a schism within these these researchers. Uh, some of them, uh, particularly Master Willem, the head of the college, mm-hmm. uh, says that insight. Under, in trying to understand the great yeah, ones knowledge. of the cosmos, yeah, is that's what's going to ascend humanity. Yeah. Um, Lawrence, his his apprentice, and in several other uh, parts of of Bergenworth, some of the samples they brought back, they've found blood from these great ones, and they've through experimentation found that uh, this blood can grant a lot of benefits. It seems like it can cure any disease. Yeah, these heat healing
1: properties.
0: Lots of healing properties, and it can yep. make individuals stronger than they would normally ever be able to to be. And so they think evolution might come through imbibing or injecting of blood, of this yep. ancient blood. And the blood should be more studied. Um, and so they have a schism over that. Lawrence thinks the blood is dangerous. We shouldn't use it. Um, and, no, opposite. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Master Willem thinks Willem that. Willem doesn't like the blood. And Lawrence is like, no, 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 we blood. should. We should yeah. totally. We'll, we'll be careful. We promise. We'll, we'll be careful with the blood. <laughs> promise we'll be careful but they essentially depart head over to yarnum and set up the healing church the healing church uh, which can does. cure any, yep. yeah any disease uh through this blood right and so as you can imagine that really allows that church to become very powerful very quickly yep. as people find out any disease from any nation in the world you could travel here and be cured of any disease yeah people uh, are
1: coming from all over the land to get healed and right
0: and it seems and, like and that's why our character has arrived at there as well. Like we've heard of this healing property and we've arrived there to get a transfusion just like that everybody could else be has. Yeah. Could be. Yeah, that could be. Um, the, the only
1: other thing I would mention is. Yeah, please. What, what they found below Bergenworth is is the remains of a society Mm-hmm. again from from my understanding so that yeah. this wasn't like they, oh these yes. super yeah. beings that were like alive they were still there, there right yeah You're this right. was like the ruins of a civilization that right so obviously something very bad happened to them and they were all again all all dead yeah. ruins so they found artifacts and stuff and and then part of what they found you know, like Mike mentioned, is is this blood that, when studied, you know, did have these properties. So it's they they basically, and I think that was another reason for the schism. Is like Wilhelm was probably very much like something caused this civilization, you know, to basically yeah. implode. Um, and Lawrence was like, no, we should be good. (laughs) Like, like it's, it's blood. What's the worst thing that could happen? We're injecting it into people. It's making them better. That, that definitely wasn't what caused the downfall of this entire, like super, super advanced society. Or or worse
0: yet. Right. It's possible that they even understood that, oh, the, there was some kind of a scourge that happened here. Perhaps the blood did some to these to these uh, ancient peoples that we can tell from this location worship these great ones. Whoever these great ones were, that we also want to you know try to contact and be like. Yeah. Um, but I bet we could probably handle it though. They couldn't. They yeah. probably could. Who knows yeah. which which scenario? Right. Either one's yeah. bad.
1: Either way. Um, typical typical mistake.
0: <laughs> typical mistake, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I think from there you see the healing church gain a lot of power, it becomes kind of the de facto government of Yarnum because it is so strong. Yep. And it seems like within the the church, not at, well, I don't know if at first. So at first is the Healing Church. Everyone kind of follows Lawrence and and does, you know, the blood ministration thing. Yep. He does set up two other groups. Uh, one is the School of Menses, which is supposed to just continue all the study. Um, so besides the blood administration, which brings people in and gains the power, it's a, also a form of experimentation, right? Let's see what mm-hmm. happens. Uh, are people going to start to evolve as they you know, take these, these different types of blood that we've brought? Um, and the school of Mensis is sort of like hidden away behind the scenes. Nobody knows about it. And they are like the scholars of the church trying to figure yeah, out.
1: I, I was under the impression that happened uh, almost immediately. Because Pretty so early, like, w- right? when they left... Yeah, when they split from the, from Bergenworth, the the, right. the scholars that came with Lawrence, that didn't go into the church, they they yeah. formed the school of Mintsy to, to continue the academic, you know, study right um, of what was going on with the blood. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think you're absolutely right on that, and it seems like another faction that they found out pretty quickly that they needed was like, hey, so people are taking this blood. And it doesn't happen to everybody, or at least not everybody right away. Mm-hmm. But over time, either people are taking too much blood, or they they just they have a reaction, whatever. Yeah, and they've got is some direction.
1: predisposition to this.
0: Who knows what it is? But they're starting yeah. to realize some people are transforming. But it's happening quietly enough that they set up this hunters' workshop where yeah. Gurman's the first hunter. He trains hunters, and they go out and essentially assassinate in in quiet yeah, anybody under... who starts to transform.
1: Under Cloak and they go out and assassinate these people that are have either transformed or in the process of transforming, so that it's right. not exposed to the public. You know that that this is something that's happening. Absolutely. And so that's how the hunters were were formed.
0: And then it seems like over time, that problem gets to be pretty bad <laughs> a little bit too much too much to too handle too much the the hunters workshop uh, as it was the secret organization gets sort of disbanded and uh so germans out of or uh, sorry not germen no yeah, no, yeah germen's German. out of a job yeah. and uh they set up the the church hunters the it's church an official hun- group yeah so this is one that
1: transitions from being a secret thing to like a yeah. public you know an openly acknowledged uh, yeah. Thing, an entity within the
0: church, and, and I think it's probably fair to say that that they still weren't being up front. That they knew the blood was causing this. I, I think the populace probably still isn't sure what's causing. It. They just know, yeah, you know, some beasts are showing. A, yeah,
1: I think that's fair because they they if they knew, then they would want to stop. You think they would the stop? Blood. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and think. the the whole purpose of the church was to push, you know, to to push the blood to keep. To keep that moving, to keep that flowing,
0: yeah, um, and and I guess it's worth mentioning that as the church becomes more powerful, um, what are they worshiping? What are they getting these people to worship? So besides the blood, which is they love it, right? Not only uh, does it cure any disease, but apparently it's very intoxicating. It sounds, it sounds like like blood yeah. is even replaced like alcoholic beverages. Like people just yep. imbibe blood literally
1: Um, says it in the in the game right in the the blood cocktails that you can find alcohol yeah
0: so um so people understand that part of it and as you go to cathedral ward and you start to find the different statues that are there um inside the the great chapel and the tomb of odin you start to realize oh they've definitely at some point discussed like these great ones with Mm -hmm. the populace like there's these great ones they're basically gods Uh, or where they are gods to us, kind of a thing, and people, yeah. you know, sort of worship them and the blood becomes part of that worship as yeah. well. And so that's essentially why the whole the whole town's like all for it, right? Yep. Yeah. Um I think from there, uh it seems like things go pretty well for a while. Most of the experimentation's still taking place in secret. Um there's obviously a scourge problem, but they're they're handling it pretty well. It's getting a little worse. Um, yeah the scourge of
1: the beast they they call it
0: yeah um, which is essentially lycanthropy it's transforming people into werewolves type of thing yeah changing Uh,
1: people into these wolf-like beasts and yeah it starts out in secret but then as it becomes more prevalent it moves into a like i said officially acknowledged thing they've got these hunters that go out and 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 kill these beasts, but then it goes into a <laughs> into a, it gets taken to a whole new level, uh, yeah. At some point,
0: which um, is Old Yarnum, right? Um, yeah, exactly. So Old Yarnum has a scourge that's so bad they essentially have to burn that whole section of the city down and like seal it off. Um, and there's a lot of debate here about the events of Old Yarnum. Uh, mm-hmm. you what what's the exact cause? It it seems pretty reasonable uh, based on some notes that you find in Bergenworth um, they they mentioned uh, essentially when you contact some of the great ones uh, if you actually can establish contact sometimes some stuff happens and one of the things is uh, a pale moon might appear and when it does it really seems like it heightens that transformation process if if you are kind of starting to transform a little bit but it was still Pretty hidden, like no, 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 it's full blown. It happens, yeah, frequently and it happens extremely quickly. And so, it seems reasonable that you know, at some point, um, I guess the question is with the old Yarnum is it just because people were imbibing blood? Was there experimentation going on in old Yarnum, um, that was maybe different that was happening elsewhere that made the scourge worse there? There's this the discussion about ash and blood. What is that yeah. disease?
1: Yeah, So I was just um, about to say, and apologies, I, my I I'm losing clarity on some of the lore discussion. That's okay. That I've man. watched. If it's like speculation versus you most know, really, of it is going to be speculation, <laughs> really established in the game. <laughs> Almost all of it. But um, yeah. My what what I recollect is there was a disease called ashen blood Mm
2: -hmm. that
1: was the result of an experiment that was done Mm -hmm. in the forbidden woods
0: that seems highly likely
1: and it was basically a because there's like this source of poison uh poison gas and these in like the caves and and, in this these forbidden woods and they basically weaponized that and let it loose on Old Yarnum to be able to swoop in with the with the healing blood and yeah. heal that and say, look, we were able to we were able to like resolve this this you know epidemic of Ashen Blood sickness mm-hmm. using you know, the power of the healing church is I think what they had planned. Right. And they were not able to, they were not able to swoop in and save the day basically. So, so they unleashed this, this epidemic and weren't Mm -hmm. able to control it with the healing part of the church. So they brought the, (laughs) they brought the killing part of the church in and basically shuttered, you know the the doors to the city, and and ended up having to more or less burn it to the ground because every everyone in the city um, had gotten sick with the ashen blood and had been yeah. you know treated with the healing blood, and then like you say, um, because of the pale moon or whatever the you know whatever caused them to transform into beasts much quicker, much. You know, much stronger beasts, I think, than yeah. what they had anticipated. So, again, ap- apologies. I can't remember no, no, how that, much of that, that speculation sounds, and how
0: much is. That sounds, I mean, I think a game. lot of it, a lot of everything we're going to talk about is speculation. It's yeah. just the nature of yeah. from games, right? But that, yeah. that series of events makes perfect sense to me. I think it's probably very, very accurate. Um, I think the only thing called into question here is what triggers as they're, you know, giving out the, the antidote pellets that are not really antidote, that like temporarily yeah. um, suppresses the scourge. They're doing the healing blood thing for the ash and blood problem they created. Um, is that a pale moon event that causes that entire part of the city to transform? And I think it probably is. And I think it might even be um, the around the time of the creation of the hunter's dream.
1: Mm-hmm. That makes sense.
0: So German's not part of the healing church necessarily. He's kind of out of his job. He's seeking potentially a new purpose. Uh, at some point, he gets a hold of uh, a cord of the eye, which is like a great one it's child's umbilical cord. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't know if we'll have time to get into where those potentially come from, but <laughs> he gets a hold of one of these. You can find it in, in the real world location of the old hunter's workshop that's been shut down and sealed off. That was um, the
1: basis for the hunter's dream. Right. Where yeah. Garmin
0: would have been, um, you can find the cord there. So at some point, he, in and maybe in, maybe in conjunction with Lawrence, or uh, I'm not sure, but uh, he seems like he performs some kind of, of ritual there. He gets pulled yeah, into the dream. That's
1: good. Sorry, trying to think through. No, I know.
0: Yeah. That, I and mean, that's why I want the discussion, right? Because speculate he lot. and he and Maria
1: <laughs> yeah sorry I, I feel like I'm not we, we should no, probably good. provide some more backstory because it's going to be really confusing to people that are going to be with this but it's different yeah where where did he get the second cord is what I'm wondering because him and Maria found the the orphan of cause right and took mm-hmm. that to to Willem and that's where Willem got his cord but where yeah. where did German get the second cord
0: so I, I'm guessing here that if you read the description of the chord, it tells you it's it's one third of a chord. Right. So I think at some point. Well, I think they're all Willem, that. They are, and so, yeah. But but so, they have
1: different descriptions. I think.
0: They do. Yeah.
1: And and so but I, don't I, know. I didn't. I wasn't under the impression that they were all part of the same chord, though. And I I'm and wondering. I don't know either. So gotcha.
0: my my speculation goes in in one of two ways: either they found something additional, in. Uh, in the tombs under Yarnum, the, the Thumerian tombs potentially found something there. Um, or the, there was a singular cord that was divided into three parts, uh, potentially. And maybe those were stolen or maybe Lawrence It's one of the things that Lawrence took from Willem was a third yeah. of, of a cord. Um, but it, it is, I don't think it's clear as to where he got this cord from. Um, you know,
1: yeah, and and just to provide a little bit more, so th- there's like four of these cords in the game that you can yes. find. Um, they're all hidden objects, all they're completely all hidden, optional. Yeah, the only
0: one optional. you'll guaranteed get is when you beat um, uh Murgo's Wet Nurse, which is like the, depending on how you're playing it, the, the penultimate uh, boss of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
1: and, and you have to, in order to get the quote-unquote final final, ending you Mm -hmm. have to find three of these four items which are very difficult to find if you weren't looking for them necessarily
0: yeah oh incredibly difficult yeah um
1: and and that's how again it unlocks the the final final ending so to speak so um but just doing a really quick google the part of the spoiler cast where we google things (laughs) um it it seems like people think that, um, that it, it just, well, but that doesn't make sense. How would he have? The, yeah. Yeah. Th- anyway.
0: This is why I, whenever like someone's like, well, maybe this, maybe that, maybe like a lot of the speculation, I think there's, Maria there's was some things you can rule out, but
1: by a, Maria was made, was impregnated by a great one. And that's how, he got an umbilical cord. That's what this is saying. I don't know if I agree with that. Or
0: uh, not. Yeah, I, I I don't know, right? There's nothing I can say to necessarily disprove that. I don't think the old Hunter's DLC um, provides any context for that. So yeah. like, hard to say.
1: But but anyway, all, all that to say, just a little bit more background on the umbilical cords is basically... These great ones, these cosmic entities, mm-hmm. when when they uh, have a child, uh, either with each other or if a human becomes impregnated by mm-hmm. one of these entities, that the child always dies. That's yeah. like part of just the way that it works. Even yep. even if it's not a human, even if it's between two of these entities, the child always dies. It's just like a prophecy yeah. kind of. And then that's where you get these umbilical cords is is because one of these, a child of one of these great ones has died. And when you consume one of those or somehow use them, I don't know. It says yeah. consume in the game. I don't know what it, it, how you in, actually use it.
0: As the PC player, we're consuming them. It doesn't seem like anyone else did that. <laughs> no, Willem did it because they're still around, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, Willem did it. Um, yeah, that's true. I think yeah. So, think. but but basically, when you when you use this umbilical cord, it brings you closer to mm-hmm. the these great ones, these cosmic entities. Yeah. Effectively these and cosmic entities you, like to you communicate said. Communicate with them or get get In, closer yeah. to being able to, you know, understand yeah. them or, or see them or whatever.
0: kinda of, kind of tying on to what you said, right? Like these great ones try to have children. The children always seem to die for whatever reason. Um, their offspring always die. And then it says they're uh, looking they're always looking for a surrogate to replace yep. that uh, that child. And so it seems like both Bergenworth and the the Healing Church were attempting to use these cords as like a lure, like if if the great ones are always seeking a surrogate child, maybe that's how we will tempt them to us. And so, this is where things get a little dark, right? In that it tells you like they <laughs> were probably yeah. like stealing babies and stuff, um, yeah trying to lure great ones to so they could contact them. Yeah, um, and at Bergenworth,
1: but, they accomplished that.
0: They did. Yeah, they were now, able
1: to ascend is what it you know what what they say that they were able to ascend multiple people to not not to be full-on great ones but yeah. basically to be as close it seems as like willem humans could you know master get, willem get seems to, to have
0: like ascended pretty successfully but everyone else at bergenwood just kind of yeah transformed Rom, Rom into and, like monsters and willem
1: yeah. Well, he kind not of turned werewolves. into like a fungus, <laughs> so I don't. Yeah. I don't know if I'd rather be a spider or a, some kind of a fungus, but it's
0: all it's all rough. Yeah. But, there's not uh, a good option for sure. To to kind of move through that that lore quickly, right? Um, I, I think with old yarn, at some point, Gurnham uses this cord in some way, yep. and he makes contact with what I I assume is the moon presence. Yes. Um, which sucks him into the dream now. Hunters are able to be somehow called into this dream and and you realize throughout the game, you know, you're able to die and kind of resurrect and keep you keep going over and over the night for you does not end. You're essentially immortal until this night ends and you start to realize to the game this you're not the first person to experience this this phenomenon. No, not at all. That was was so bad. It was burned down. You meet Jura, the hunter, and he'll make comments every time he kills you like um, about the dream. Um, Yeah. Eileen the Crow. You'll meet her in the game. Yeah. She'll also tell, tell the doll. She, I said, <laughs> hi. "Yeah." If if you decide for whatever yeah. reason to fight Eileen, then yeah, during that dialogue, she'll tell the doll, "I said hi." Yeah. Um, and and yeah, it's, it's, so it's crazy. It's, I
1: I was super hung up on the dream at first because I mm-hmm. I didn't understand it, but I finally, you know, came across the explanation that it, it's not really a dream. That's just what they call it. Right. But it's it's just like an alternate dimension. Where, you know, someone basically it's the great ones. One of them has created this alternate dimension. Yeah. And then more or less pulled someone from our world into that to like inhabit that. And they have to stay there. And keep it running, yeah. basically. So that's what yeah German someone's was acting doing. as like the host. That's right? what uh, Mikolash, uh was doing. I think is what his name was. Um yep. So they they've created these alternate dimensions um, where you travel to you know throughout the story. Yeah, um, and that was something that was super confusing to me at first. I was it like, is what it what's is confusing. the dream? Who created it? <laughs> Why is German here? Like, it's his dream. <laughs> Why, you know, why are we in it or whatever? So, yeah. but anyway, so yeah, I mean, so, it's, there's so much. I feel like you need. You need hours a, and a hours. Cho- a, like a dry race board with the, like all the branching. Oh, absolutely. Some kind of so, crazy timeline. But, to,
0: to not yeah. bore everyone to tears, right? So we get through that super detailed. <laughs> but I think that event, that triggers sort of that dream state where hunters are occasionally pulled in the stream to, to do some kind of an event. Yeah. And then they are either willingly it seems like most cases expelled from that dream at some point um, which is a choice that we're offered at the very end of the game yeah um, where you stop dreaming you stop getting pulled into the hunter's dream you're essentially mortal again killed time flows on as normal and you get your life back essentially yeah Um, and so from that point we kind of understand okay That's roughly how the dream works, and we're trying to accomplish something that's going to end whatever this event is.
1: that's going to transcend all of this. Right, and then
0: we can be free from the dream. Now, you kill a bunch of bosses, you find a bunch of background about all these characters and and what led them up to it, and you come to the end of the game, and you're essentially, uh, if you found all those chords that we talked about, Mm -hmm. you essentially have uh, a couple of choices here at the end of the game. If you haven't found any chords at all, um, then you go to meet with Gurnum and he's like, Hey, great mission accomplished. You killed, you know, a great one. You killed, uh, Murgo's wet nurse, which is a great one. It's, it's one of the very few instances of the game where when you kill a, a monster, it doesn't say praise, you know, slaughtered, like all the other ones do. It says nightmare slain. You've killed a great one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's essentially what you were supposed to do. You, you, you kill, uh, Murgo's wet nurse nightmare slain. You go back to the Hunter's dream and you can finally get to this gate off area. And Gurnum says, Hey, great job. Your reward is you get to leave. Finally, just go ahead and bend down and I'm going to kill you, but you'll wake up and you won't really die, but you'll wake up. No more come to the dream. You're, that's what he
1: says. Yeah. Who knows if that's Uh, what actually happens or not.
0: (laughs) So, so you (laughs) haven't done that, right?
1: I didn't do that ending. No. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, I I look. I, I didn't plan on doing another playthrough immediately. That's so okay. so I, I looked ahead and I saw what I needed to do to get like the final yeah. ending. And so I, I, I did the uh, umbilical cords that I needed to do. So so I yeah got, that was the one ending that I got.
0: So effectively, taking German's deal is one ending path that you can go down. Yeah. You can also reject his deal. In which case, Garmin gets out of his wheelchair and fights you as a hunter, and it's funny because he still limps, but man, that dude is buff. He's he has buff a super cool size weapon. He's yeah, fast. He has super quickening, fast. which you can also get in the game, but your quickening is nowhere as good as his. Yeah. Um, you find you can find an item if you find the real-world location of the hunter's workshop, and you can find the hunter's bone, mm-hmm. um, which allows you to spend uh some of your bullet uh, resources to like basically have short form teleportation teleport yeah um and man it's my favorite it's my favorite arcane item in the game uh i use it all the time i love it it's so cool <laughs> but germans is way better <laughs> way better go way he's, faster he's way further it. yeah he's mastered it never um, runs out of bullets <laughs> and so you can fight Gurnum. he'll and if he defeats you you're still in the dream until you like accept his deal essentially um uh but can you if you that? defeat him if you reject I don't know, I it can't once remember.
1: I don't think you can go. You back. might be stuck in that loop sure. at that point. Yeah, I think you have to beat him at that point. I think you so have to have of, the inbuilt reports. You're, you're right. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> so the, the That next would be thing hilarious
1: you, though if you rejected it and he'd be killed so you, funny. And you came back and he was like, Wanna reconsider that uh, <laughs> that conversation that's, that we just had. that's essentially where he's going with it, right? <laughs> is he
0: saying, like, hey, um and and what's interesting is is uh if you if you walk around the hunter's dream and you have more than i think 40 insight um you'll occasionally encounter german and he's like sleeping in his wheelchair mm-hmm. and he is miserable you only yep. get this dialogue with high insight but effectively you can hear him like crying and asking yeah. for someone to help him. he's stuck in this dream he's trapped he can't leave he's hoping someone will free him and but i think it's interesting like
1: Willem and Lawrence, like, well, yeah. Willem, Lawrence, somebody for so long. Blah blah. <laughs> exactly. I'm ready to be out of this. Blah blah.
0: But you get to the end, and, and you, you almost realize, feel like, bad for him. Until, you almost <laughs> until the very but end. But if you if you like really think about it, you're like, oh man, he's actually done some pretty messed up stuff. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. whatever. Don't feel. But bad effectively, it's interesting at the end, right? Knowing how badly he went out of the dream, he's still willing to kill you to get you out. Because I don't think he's necessarily looking for someone to have to suffer the way he's suffering.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. At least that's I my guess, take on it. Yeah, I, I think he. Ne- yeah, never wants another hunter to suffer the way that he and Maria and some of his other hunter that he trained. Yeah. Um, so th- this is his way of protecting them.
0: The hunters, yeah,
1: yeah. But at the same time, like you mentioned, he's done some some really terrible stuff. So I guess it's yeah. It doesn't really wash, you know. Yeah. In, and in, you can get a lot more. perspective.
0: You get a lot more history of that in the old Hunter's DLC. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, if you if you don't take his deal, you fight Gurman, you beat him. If you haven't consumed the umbilical cords, uh, then, essentially, by defeating Gurman, you release him from the dream. And the mood mm-hmm. and presence materializes. You see the which great is a, one. Which
1: is a great one, yeah. One of these yeah. cosmic God, god-like things.
0: Yep. And it comes down and it's like, well, we need a new host. <laughs> yep.
1: we Somebody's got to run the dream. Yeah.
0: Um, but now if you consume those umbilical cords, like you had mentioned, you go hunting for those things, you consume them. When the moon presence comes down and essentially is looking for a new host, you now have the ability to reject that and do battle with the moon presence itself. Yep. Um, which you do. And I think this is, this is the route you went, right?
1: Yeah, I fought the moon presence, yeah. And, and yeah, just so did I. really quickly to go back. So yeah, yeah please. You, you can, if you reject German and then you fight him, mm-hmm. then the moon presence comes down, gives you a big hug, gives you a big alien, like Xenomorph looking, <laughs> Xenomorph looking yeah. thing hug. And then the, the cut scene is now you're in the wheelchair. Right. And you're a German. And so now you're the hunter that's in inside the dream. You know, and this cycle is going to continue. Right. So like that's that's the the resolution of that ending. And then you get to this third one where you've, you know, imbibed of these umbilical cords, which gives you some, you know, level of closeness with these great ones. Mm -hmm. And you you reject Gurman, you fight him, you kill him. And then the moon presence comes down. And then you say, I'm going to fight you. Like, you're at a good enough... You're at a high enough level, you know, with these great ones that you can actually fight them. Yeah. And and if when you're able to beat it... uh, And so this is another one where you have to beat it. Like, there's not a way out, I think, if you... Right. It'll just repeat over and over again. So you 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 have... But, man, the... The Moon Presence fight is so much easier than the, the German <laughs> fight. fight? Yeah, I German so took too. me like 20 tries, and I think I my, beat the Moon Presence on the second My
0: favorite try. fights in the games are the hunter-on-hunter hunter fights, but I also think they're by far the hardest because they they're have hard. all yeah. the tools that you have.
1: Yep. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, I would agree with you. Awesome I think fun. the
0: Moon Presence, in comparison, is kind of a pushover compared to German. As weird as that is.
1: Yeah, for sure. Anyway, so, yeah, now...
0: Back back over to you, you can finish explaining no, what so, happens at the end. So yeah, if you defeat the Moon Presence, right, then it goes away. My opinion is that you can't really kill any of the, the Great Ones, really. Their consciousness does not seem to be tied to their bodies. Yeah, um, who knows? You can, you can defeat them, and it still seems like they're available in other areas. They're still present. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But neither here nor there, you kill it. And then by doing so, it seems like you learn something, and it allows you to ascend you uh, effectively become a baby Great One, which means yeah. you look like a squid. You're, you're reborn as a, <laughs> as a
1: baby Great One. Yeah. So you, are so the you first look like a giant truly, slug.
0: <laughs> you truly ascend. There there are you, other yeah. um, enemies in the game called kin which have ascended their kin of the Great Ones, but they're not yeah. really fully trained. There's some human, there's some uh, Yeah, Yeah, that,
1: that's kin. what I was saying earlier. Like, as close as a human can get right. to being a Great then,
0: one. You seem like the first to have fully ascended. Yep. And, and the doll and, picks you up and is, yeah. Yep. You, that's where and, you are. But you're still so, in the dream, oddly enough.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That That's interesting. But, uh, you know, which is a, yeah, that, I guess that is. And oh, well, that goes into a whole nother thing. Yeah. About who, what's the doll? Who's the doll? Um, uh, there's a lot but, of and, uh, stuff there. And so I, I think just to kind of come back full circle on this, please. Pell blood. You know, again, the very beginning, the note, seek Mm -hmm. pale pale blood and transcend the hunt. Pale blood, I think uh, the most common opinion is that the moon presence is pale blood. And by killing the moon presence and ascending to become a great one, that's what was meant by transcending the hunt, at least in the... Lore that I've read, you know, kind of the base yeah. understanding that I have.
0: I've read interviews uh, with Mizaki, um, and he talks about that note. and He thought about rewriting it because he he agrees it is not clear, and mm-hmm. they debated on it back and forth a while before they left it alone. Yeah, well, there, <laughs> there's, there's definitely some so. mentions.
1: Yeah, yeah, there, there's some other notes about you know that kind of mention mm-hmm. moon presence and pale blood and the same. Yeah, you know, in the same, but it's it's so create I you know, like I said, it's it's a note that you find at the very beginning. It's supposed to set your entire objective for like this whole game. Yeah. And Pale Pale Blood is mentioned like four times like in the entirety of the game. Like Gilbert yeah. mentions it. And then there's like two more notes that talk about Pale Blood. And then only one of them mentions the moon presence you know or right. like tr- gives By you any, or... any insight into what pillblood actually is so yeah it's it's never 100% confirmed like what the entire objective of this game you know is or was yeah. based on the info that we have which is now which is so insane
0: we skipped over a lot of lore cuz it's just lot. i mean we we be here for days trying to yeah. discuss everything right but I, the question I want to leave with from a lore perspective, I think this is a very interesting one, and it's still very hotly debated eight years after the fact, is um, what is the motivation of the hunt, the the moon presence is the hunt, the dream that you're stuck in, that only ends essentially when you kill another great one. You actually kind of kill a couple of them depending on how you play it. Yeah. Um, but there's there's a lot of debate as to like what's the motivation or if there even is one. My first takeaway when I first beat the game, and, and I still feel pretty good about this, is that um, it is it seems possible that the great ones um, are not all friends. <laughs> you know, yep. that's very Lovecraftian. Uh, if if you read like Mountain, the the Mountains of Madness, and things like that, that um, not all these great ones get along. They they mm-hmm. uh, frequently you know um, attack one another, and so my first interpretation on being the game. Was that, oh, okay, the the moon presence is using this hunter's dream to uh pull in hunters and it's looking for one that it can use as like a soldier to attack and kill other great ones. Hmm. Um maybe maybe furthering um their relationship and it becoming the, the sort of dominant great one of mm-hmm. uh you know, this particular realm of, you know, however you describe that. I've read lots of other interpretations though. I don't I'm not sold like, yeah, that's definitely what it is, but that was my interpretation. Of sort of the the motivations of of the moon presence, mm-hmm. um, but I'm curious. Like, what what did you come away with, or, yeah, or what I, have you come across in your reading? Well,
1: I just I hadn't really thought about it until you just mentioned it, and sure. my first thought was that it's looking for a surrogate child, sure, yeah, um, and that because you know you're as you're reborn as a great one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess. Again, like you mentioned, you we we don't know if we're actually killing these things when we defeat them. Yeah. So if we're not, and it was motivated to find a surrogate child because it had lost, you know, a child, yeah. then like that would be that that could be that that was the first thing that that popped into my. That head. makes
0: sense. No, I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, I, I guess to like bolster what we're talking about there is. It, if you go, did, did you play through uh, the the Chalice Dungeons, the optional? No, not at all. Okay. <laughs>
1: that's another area I didn't get into at all. If
0: you get further yeah. down there, it's not very lore heavy, but you find some things, and mm-hmm. one of the things that you find at the very very end of the Chalice Dungeons leads you to believe that um, that's that's where potentially Murgo comes from. That Murgo was probably the result of of the Great Ones having yeah. a, a child. Uh, that child dying, but Murgo not really dying. murgo still being a a presence that is essentially summoned, um, potentially by Mikalash in in the ritual mm-hmm. they're doing in in Yahargul, um, and so it's it's like even killing it doesn't really, you know, remove its consciousness. It's it's still out there. Yeah. But maybe because of this ritual, it's trapped in in like because it's not mature enough to exercise its abilities. Kind of like Rom right? Mm -hmm. Rom doesn't really defend itself like very functionally. (laughs) Uh, No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I've, I've seen some, some debate uh, uh, around it looking for surrogates. I've also seen if, if uh, you didn't play through the, the chalice dungeon, so it may not have made a ton of sense, but as you, there's two events in the game uh, after you beat Rom and the blood moon uh, or the pale moon becomes Mm -hmm. visible to everybody. You see a woman staring up at the moon. Yeah. Yarnum. Right. Uh, yeah. Yarnum the Thumerian queen. Yeah. You also see her outside uh the the boss fight for yeah. uh, Murgo's wet nurse. Yep. So it seems very likely that Murgo's her child. Uh, yep. and there's there's some speculation that um, you find all kinds of things that say like the great ones are sympathetic to like the pleas the people and the that prayers that reach out to them, that, them. That yep. out to them and make contact. Yeah. Um that uh that Yarnum the queen uh even though she's dead, like her she's ascended in some way, her consciousness is still out there, and she is like essentially asking for help because her child is now trapped in this like um nightmare that uh that Mikalesh has made. Mm-hmm. Which I think is interesting. I don't know if I'm sold on that, but I think it's interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think the little bit of lore that I read, I don't think they were sure who Murgos I, father nobody's. was yeah yeah nobody is. yeah but no I, one is. i've heard I, odin I, is, a, is a popular yeah choice. i think that's yeah that seems to be the the common one that i saw but i mean i guess there mm. is a possibility that it could have been the moon presence right could be and and yeah. then you know when murgo died it was looking for a surrogate and that
0: um, home you know i've not heard that hunter. before I like yeah, that, that again. That was the
1: initial thought that I had when I like when you, that a lot. Asked it.
0: That makes well, a lot of sense actually. Senpai noticed me. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the things I like about these games though, right? There's so much open interpretation. You feel like you can 8 years later learn new stuff about it. Yeah, so and and like I
1: said, I feel like we've 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 done a terrible job of covering this. Like the, we've been and, jumping and around like all over the place, but
0: That's okay, right? Because there there are like term papers and theses that are written out there if you really want to dive into the deep lore. But I more or less just wanted to just, like, get it out of my brain uh, after eight years of thinking about it. And it was fun to talk about. So I know we've gone way over time, but just to to kind of wrap up uh, your thoughts on this, um, now that you've played Bloodborne, what did you think? Did you like it? Uh, And how does it compare with the other FromSoft titles, in your opinion?
1: Man. Yeah, I... I liked it. I mean, mm-hmm. the story and the lore was was super interesting, right? I, yeah, I I'm agree. also a fan of the lore. You know, with Elden Ring, like mm-hmm. I, oh, that was fun the, too. The demigods are a little bit more comprehensible in that game, but it's it's a lot easier to follow. Well, but there's still, <laughs> but it's still, you know, there, there's yeah. still the the greater ones, I think, is what they're called in Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. Elden ring that you know kind of function in a similar way to what they do in bloodborne like you you don't yeah. really know that much about them their motivations are unknown um so so I'm I really like you know the the lore of that is really interesting yeah um I agree. and and so that held held up great in my opinion over eight mm-hmm. years um I would say the game itself held up really well to um you know like graphically performance wise i was playing on my like og ps4 i don't have a you know pro or anything this is like an old thing honestly it would make a difference
0: i i replayed on ps5 the performance doesn't get any better (laughs) yeah but i mean i mean
1: comparatively though for an eight-year-old game Yeah, you know, I've played other eight-year-old games that play like total trash. (laughs) They play like, like, oh yeah, this feels a game that was made eight years ago. And and so, I mean, I think that's you know that might be more of a dig at (laughs) FromSoft and not making you know a huge change over the way things work in the last eight years. It could be, Uh, you know, (laughs) because Elden Ring functioned very similar, you know, to uh, to Bloodborne but yeah, so it, it holds up. Well, um, I, I had a really hard time coming from Elden ring and mm-hmm. that being the one that I, I, I was still Elden Ring's still my number one. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, bloodborne easily slots into number two. Cause like I mentioned oh, cool. earlier, not really a huge, I I've never, you know, I, I haven't gone back and replayed demon souls or dark souls. I've, I, need to go back go back and play Sekiro again. Um but yeah, Bloodborne easily slots in a number 2 for me. But I I have a really it's hard looking at Bloodborne and mm-hmm. not comparing it to Elden Ring for me. Like, no, that's I, the it, biggest issue that I had.
0: I think that's one of the things I I I wanted to have you on for, right? It was because um I've been playing this game for a long time. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how much nostalgia is like tied into like the history of what I've played of it. Right. Uh, yeah. it's kind of fun to have somebody who's playing, uh, a much more modern, the most modern, you know, from, uh, mm-hmm. software, uh, well, I guess armored core is the most modern, but, um, <laughs> not, yeah, you know, yeah, not in, yeah, in, in yeah. sort of this soul, soul's kind <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So to play something like that and then to find out, like, is it feasible to, to have people go back and play a game like this? Um, you know, eight years after the fact and see how it feels. And so,
1: yeah, uh, I, I think that, uh, it's definitely feasible. Um, I would say Bloodborne is more difficult than Elden Ring could be depending on how you played it. Right. Sure. Like, you know, for example, I mentioned earlier, one of my main characters in Elden Ring is like a ranged spell caster. Mm -hmm. that's a very different you know and using summons and all that like there's a lot more I don't want to say crutches but there's a lot more tools at your disposal absolutely in in Elden Ring which make some of the more difficult encounters quite a bit easier and in Bloodborne you, you get what you what you get like you don't have you know there's there's weapons but they're I mean, they're not like vastly different, you sure. know, for like, they're all melee weapons, more or less. Like there's, yeah. there's some ranged builds with certain guns and or cannon and, and stuff like that. But it's not as diverse.
0: No, you have like diverse. 90% or even above 90% of all the weapons that essentially scale primarily with physical attributes. And then I think there's like one that scales really, really well with blood tinge, uh, which is, uh, yeah. a, a very specialized build. Yeah, Um, very and same with arcane, right? Like you can invest in arcane and there's a couple of weapons that, that, uh, take really good advantage of that. But, uh, you have to kind of like almost decide that going in, like I'm going to invest a ton of stuff in arcane. Um, yeah. and most of the tools that you would get that are actually, you know, would, we would consider like spells for this game are the arcane mm-hmm. tools. Um, yeah. You don't find them until pretty late in the game. And yeah, I can imagine pretty situation. An
1: arcane focus build is much tougher, especially playing the base game and not yeah. having something like the Moonlight Great Great Sword. Yeah, gosh, and some like of the cool other sword. arcane <laughs> weapons. But yeah, so all that to say, I, I think that so it, it is it's definitely feasible. Even somebody mm-hmm. and I was worried because I knew that it was going to be more difficult. I was like, can I even do this? Cuz I'm I'm an older dad of two kids at this point. Like my reaction times are not what oh, they, it's what they hard, used man. to be. I I'm was like, you. will I even physically be able to do this? And yeah. and and I was able to do it and I didn't cheese, I didn't, you know, I didn't do anything crazy. Um I had a weapon that I got super early on and I never moved away from it so I was very comfortable <laughs> with what yeah. it could do, I, it. Some of the bosses took me 20, 30 sure. tries. You know, like uh, especially the one at Canehurst. Was that? Oh the, yeah,
0: the, Ma- Martyr Martyr Lagarius. Yeah, yeah. He yeah.
1: was he was super tough. He had me beating my head up against the wall for three sessions or so. Yeah, and then uh, Gurman right at the end. He he was also really he was tough, tough. but it was pretty much. Um, so anyway, all that to say, I think if you, if you're somebody that leans into the combat, Mm -hmm. um, then I think that it's feasible. But if you're somebody that relied on some of the, uh, you know, some of the options in Elden Ring that made things easier, then I think that you're going to have a much tougher time in Bloodborne, if that makes sense.
0: I think it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, like I would agree. If, like,
1: if you leaned, like just you know, I don't don't want to use David as a great example yeah. because you know. So <laughs> not he le- on him. he no not picking on him because again it's it's a fun way right, to right. play but from in an Elden Ring perspective I'm pretty sure he used like blood you know, like the blood, you know, damage type with like the yeah. rivers of blood and he used summons and he used, you know, like poison and stuff like that. You know, yeah. which again, totally valid way to play Elden Ring. Yeah, they're they're not, they're
0: in there for a reason.
1: Yeah, they're in there. Um just that type of stuff is not available in Bloodborne. Like Bloodborne moves a lot faster. Like Melania is a, a pretty good example of not quite, I would say Melania is more difficult in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, but she's much closer to like the the German fight, for example. Um, okay. Yeah. In, in, in my opinion. So yeah. Uh, imagine, and you did this because you're, because you're awesome. You put these rules on yourself, like oh, no, yeah, no, no summons, no, like melee only. <laughs> no, none of this. Um, I wasn't able to do that, but just imagine doing the millennia fight with like a melee only build with, I would say parrying is a little bit easier, um, on German, but yeah, just basically imagine a melee only, you know, parrying, uh, combat millennia fight and, and uh, if that's something you think you could do, then I think you could get along in Bloodborne. Um, and if that's something that you think would be impossible, then, you know, give, give it a try because it's definitely worth the play. But, but I would say the difficulty ceiling is, uh, is, is quite a bit higher in Bloodborne from my perspective.
0: It can be. And, and there are, there are some tools for those folks that want them. If you're, if somehow you've gone two hours into this podcast, um uh, and have not played bloodborne and you decide now now's the time um yep. you can spend insight there are um a lot of a lot of bosses near them have like you can summon another hunter mm-hmm. um whether that's online uh or like an npc you know style hunter oh, but yeah, you have to I, burn yeah. insight to do it it is yep. it is not an infinite resource
1: yeah i did that one one time mm-hmm. um to summon alfred one of one of my favorite NPCs. I feel like I feel like we almost need another, uh, you know, episode of this t- to dig to into just all just discuss stuff that NPCs we, that and stuff because yeah, we didn't talk yeah.
0: about my favorite NPC, uh, Eileen the Crow. She is yep. awesome. I love yep. her. It's so short and condensed, but her storyline is awesome, and she's a cool character. Yeah. Alfred's great too. If you Alfred's play through great. I his whole Alfred. story. Um, yep. Yeah, man. I could I could 100 do this again, um, and I think we absolutely need to for Elden Ring. I think once. One day when that when that DLC drops, Yep, right before um, maybe get it together. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll make notes for that one so I can actually structure it better. Yeah. Um, and this one I went like, off the rails a little bit, but it was fun, like, man. I had, give I me a, a one great
1: second because well, I just happen to have it here. I want to pull up. Yeah, a, yeah, three hundred and ninety four point six hours in Elden Ring playtime. That's I wild. That. Uh,
0: yeah. I think I'm over two hundred, but you've still got me by. 100 plus
1: hours. Yeah, it's that's a lot. Um so yeah, I, it's I would But happy. great It is great and very similar, you know, lore discussions could be mm-hmm. had um but but yeah. So yeah, yeah, all that to say it it's definitely feasible. If you've got a PS4, I know people have been begging for years for a remaster. Yeah. Um you know, and there's a rumor
0: You posted this today. that was posted yeah. very
1: recently that FromSoft could be working on a PS5 exclusive, and so I think people are very antsy, hoping that that could be Bloodborne. I, I to be honest, I would be very surprised if they remade it. Yeah, <laughs> not that I, I it don't doesn't think, deserve it. I just no, I just but I don't, don't think From would. Do I don't it think right. they would do it. Yeah,
0: no, I think they would want to do something uh, on their own unique. I think it, if it was going to be a Bloodborne remake, that they would probably provide some assistance, but they just pass pass it over to like Bluepoint Studios. Uh, mm. Just like last time, is okay. Like, hey, you guys go ahead and remake this thing. We'll provide a little bit of uh, maybe technical assistance because it was our 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 game that we made. Uh, yep. But I don't. I don't see them like sitting down and spending the resources to remake a game that is. Uh, n- I mean, it's one of my favorite games, but it's also an exclusive, right? So how much yeah. t- how much time and money do you invest in something to just remake a game that already exists and can only be played on one platform?
1: Yep. Yeah, and, and that's not, yeah, and that's what I was. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't saying. Uh, I I wasn't intending to say that I don't think From would do it. Like I don't think anybody, I I hundred percent I don't think I hundred
0: percent don't think From would do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't I, think I it could...
1: would be remade even if they. I don't even think they would hand it off.
0: Like. I I um, want to say that if they were gonna do it, maybe they would have done it by now. So
1: I don't know. If, I mean, when did the last dark? The last dark? But that was I just a remaster, lug-hand. right? It but was didn't, a well, didn't like Dark Souls One remaster came out just like a few years ago. So
0: Demon Souls got like a Demon Souls did. Remake. That
1: was a full remake, but there there was a. They, I'm, I think Dark Souls One remaster was the most recent. I yeah, I think I could be totally wrong about that though
0: uh so yeah demon souls the original came out in 2009 and the remake the full remake came out in 2020 so yeah i mean i guess they could do like a 10-year thing if we wait two two more years i don't know i'm i'm not holding my breath for a bloodborne remake i guess um
1: dark souls one remaster when what's the date second while we while we google things yeah 2018
0: <laughs> was the dark souls one remaster
1: yeah and what was yours what was demon souls so was, so
0: demon souls was was the original came out 2009 and mm-hmm. the the ps5 remake came out in 2020 okay so so,
1: so that is the most so dark souls one remaster was before that so
0: yeah yeah so we'll I don't see i don't know yeah, we'll i would Could i would happen. love it but uh, I'm not going to hold my breath. It's been a long time.
1: <laughs> and and to be honest, I mean, and people have talked about the, the limitations of Elden Ring, like from a graphical perspective. Sure. Like it, you know, it, it doesn't go like it's got a locked frame rate, even on PC. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. it goes over, you know, a, a certain frame rate. And so... I mean, there's not it, it. It's not a huge difference graphically, in in my opinion, between the two games, especially in certain areas. Because, like we've said, yeah. Bloodborne is a lot more. Like the areas are smaller. You don't have like these giant open. You know, you're walking through alleys. You're walking through tunnels and and stuff yeah, like that. True. And so, if you think about like the. In Elden Ring, like the different tombs and stuff that you can go into. um, Like, I don't see a huge difference graphically between Elden Ring and Bloodborne. So, even if they remastered it, it it would be at best bringing it up to where Bloodborne, you know, I mean, where Elden Ring Ring was basically, and not Uh, something too crazy.
0: Bumping that game from 30 to 60 FPS and then bumping the resolution from like 990 to 1440 or something would be good enough A good enough for a remaster for me. Like that's all the yeah. art direction, I think, holds up really well. I think the yep. gameplay is fine. Um, I, I think those two things would be great for me. Is it enough for a bunch of other people to rebuy that game I, or buy it for the first time? Yeah. Um, but,
1: I, and I don't know if HDR was as big of a thing back then. But I feel like with with the technology that we have today, with like making because Bloodborne's a really dark. Yeah, it's it like, takes
0: place at nighttime, right? So yeah, so there, there's a lot, lot of, a lot of lot darkness. of room for contrast. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: I think we have a lot more, you know, technologies that that enable those contrasts more. Yeah, and so HDR maybe, maybe make that game can be, pop really, really. Yeah, nicely. maybe that I, I could definitely imagine lighting and. HDR and, and all that stuff making that game pop. But yeah. Yeah. E- even well, if they remade it from scratch using whatever they built Elden Ring in, like, I don't, it, it wouldn't be
2: yeah, vastly, it's,
1: vastly different than, than what it is, but just yeah, because, so. you know, that I don't think they, I don't, I don't think they've, you know, upgraded their engine or tooling or whatever, you know, um, greatly, um, when, when they made Elden Ring, for example.
0: So. Yeah, I, I think you're probably... I mean, we had those kind of discussions when Elden Ring was coming out, and it was super fun to play, but I still made the argument that, like, you know, graphically, it wasn't super impressed. I mean, I'm always impressed by Frum's art direction. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, graphically, it's not always, like, the most impressive thing going on, but their art direction carries that a long way. Yeah. Um, and I think between the two, it's more important because that's why you can play Bloodborne eight years after the fact and it still yeah. doesn't like yeah, sting exactly. your eyes, right? The art direction looks fantastic. Just wish it was a higher resolution.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you definitely can't compare it to like your God of War's,
0: right? Yeah, that, that crazy a, any amount of fidelity.
1: Dog. Yeah, Last of Us yeah. Part Two, um, anything like that. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah.
0: Well. For, for the folks that tuned in for this, man, I, I had a great time talking about Bloodborne. This was amazing. I know we skipped over a bunch. We didn't talk a, half about, you know, what things get revealed with Insight or a bunch of the lore. And <laughs> again, it's just, there's never enough time there's to so do much. that kind of thing. Yeah. We'll probably take that conversation to Discord and continue to have it. But uh, man, Casey, thank you so much. This was so much fun. It was. It was great. And thank you for that having me. It was a blast. And, oh, any time, man.
1: I know we talked about, you know, how crazy bloodborne is and how everything's out of order and nothing really <laughs> makes sense and i think we captured that in our discussion yeah that, i feel like uh, <laughs> i feel
0: like you can you can follow this podcast episode about as well as you can follow exactly uh yeah, we your first playthrough probably made th- it even worse <laughs>
1: <laughs> people are probably more confused after listening to this podcast than they were. it'll make more <laughs> sense when you play it you just got to raise your insight bro get there you inside up it'll all make sense
0: get yeah just line your brain with eyes and you'll be just fine (laughs) (laughs) all right Uh, folks say thanks for tuning in we'll uh we'll do another one of these really soon i hope uh and uh fingers crossed we'll get that christmas episode out for you here real shortly too all right can't wait hey casey thanks again really appreciate your time pleasure all right folks have a great one bye
2: Farewell, good hunter. May you find your worth in the waking world. What are you still doing here? Enough trembling in your boots. A hunter must hunt.